For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. An economist. How does the Fed execute the quantitative easing? They print the money and then they buy the treasury bonds. Do they buy the treasury bonds from the treasury department? No, they buy the treasury bonds from the Goldman Sachs. You must be shitting me. No. So let me get this straight. If I want to buy the treasury bonds with my money, I can buy them directly from the treasury. Yes. And if you want to buy the treasury bonds with your money, you can buy them from the treasury. Right. But if the Ben Bernanke wants to buy the treasury bonds using the American people's money, he does not buy them from the treasury, he buys them from the Goldman Sachs? Exactly. And does the Goldman Sachs give them a good price? Of course not, they are the Goldman Sachs, they make their living ripping off the American people. But how is the Goldman Sachs able to do this? The Fed announces what it is going to buy, and when it is going to buy, before it does the trade. So the Goldman Sachs can front-run the Fed and give them the worst possible price on the Treasury bonds? Yes, exactly. And the Fed is okay with this blatant theft from the American people? Of course, otherwise, the Fed would just buy the Treasury bonds directly from the Treasury Department. Who inside the Fed is responsible for the buying of the Treasury bonds? The buying of the Treasury bonds is conducted by the New York branch of the Federal Reserve. And who is in charge of the New York branch? The head of the New York branch is the William Dudley. And what did the William Dudley do before running the New York Fed? Before running the New York Fed, the William Dudley was a partner at the Goldman Sachs. So the guy in charge of the American people's money when dealing with the Goldman Sachs used to be a partner at the Goldman Sachs? Yes. And nobody has a problem with this? Apparently not. Is this an episode of the Twilight Zone? I don't think so. Are you sure? Pretty sure. So what you are telling me is that the Fed thinks prices are going down when in fact they are going up? Yeah. And they think during the recession, with the high unemployment, it is better if the thing people need to buy cost more money. Correct. According to the Ben Bernanke, the inflation will create the jobs and improve the housing market. Has this ever been tried before? Yes. Just last year, the Fed tried the quantitative easing with $2 trillion. Did that create the jobs? No. Did it help the housing market? Not at all. Did it help anybody at all? Yes, it helped the Goldman Sachs. How much of the money are they printing now? $600 billion. So even though the first $2 trillion did not create the jobs or improve the housing market, the Fed decided to do another $600 billion anyway? Yes. Who put the Ben Bernanke in charge? The Ben Bernanke was first appointed by the President Bush, then he was reappointed by the President Obama. But wasn't the President Obama supposed to bring the change? Yes. How is putting in charge the same fool who has been wrong about everything, the change? Well, under the President Bush, the Ben Bernanke only blew up the American economy. Under the President Obama, he is working on blowing up the entire global economy. That does not sound like the change we can believe in. Definitely not. Who else supports the Ben Bernanke? Most economists around the world think the quantitative easing is very dangerous. Does anyone think it is a good idea? Yes, the people at the Goldman Sachs. Is this some kind of nightmare? No, it is very real. I want to bang my head against the wall. You should not do that. Why not? 
because the health care is too expensive. But didn't the President Obama fix that? No, but that is the subject of a whole other video. Goodbye. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. People realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 
right, good afternoon all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You are listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Monday, May 9th, 2016. Boy, the year is just rolling along, man. I tell you, May 9th, it's Monday. It's about nine and a half minutes after noon Pacific time. If that's when it is, where you're at, we are, in fact, live. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. That's how you will get your voice on the air. 800-932-1980. That is toll-free if that still means anything to anybody because, you know, most people are on cell phones or have unlimited, you know, long distance. It's just... Doesn't mean as much as it used to mean, and even if you're paying uh, uh, by the minute, you're probably only paying one or two cents a minute anyway. So, you know, back in the day when 800 numbers really were a, uh, gosh, I guess that just goes to show how old I really am, because I remember when, man, you had to have an 800 number if you had a, uh, well, any kind of business really, but especially like radio. You know, people calling in, they're not going to use their own dime to call in. God forbid anybody ever have to pay anything to get their views out there. Holy smokes, listeners paying? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess the world has changed quite a bit because you all pay for cable. You all pay for satellite TV. You all pay for that stuff that all used to be free. Remember? Remember when you could just slap an antenna on top of your roof and in comes all that free stuff? Yeah. Remember, used to be free. Yeah, but not now. Oh, but then cable came along and said, hey, but you know what? You can uh, pay for cable, and you can watch all these shows, and you won't have to suffer through the commercials because that's why you're paying for it is because there's no commercials. Remember that? Remember when cable, its big selling point? To get you sucked into getting it was there's no commercials. Uh Uh-huh. How's that working out for you now? Oh, that's right. They're not only charging you a fee to bring it to you. They're also making you watch just as many commercials as you ever saw on free TV. Right? Yeah, that's right. Well, hey, you see the pattern? No? Okay. Look at the Internet. Remember when almost everything on the Internet was free? You didn't have to pay for anything. Nothing. Music, movies, nothing. Everything was free, right? Hey, not so much anymore. There's still lots of free stuff on the Internet. They haven't figured out a way just yet how to make you pay for every last little scrap of information you might get off of the Internet. But, hey, they're working on it. Don't worry. I mean, people are actually going after and saying, "Well, you know, uh, if you if you <laughs> if you use our link, that's a copyright infringement." So now people are going to copyright links. Wow! Let's see that paperwork from the office because you know what? You better get your staff busy down there at the copyright office. Because you know what? If it's not a registered copyright, then screw you. You can say whatever you want. You know, people do that all the time. They say, well, I'm putting a copyright on this. It's a common law copyright. Bad news, folks. Okay, bad news. There's no such thing. All right? 
you can put it on there. People can say, oh, well, you know, they obviously don't want me copying this, so I'll be nice and I won't. But you know what? <laughs> Where are they going to enforce a copyright that is a common law copyright? At the common law court? <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. Because you know what? You can't enforce a common law anything in a court of equity. All right? And the courts of equity and law are combined. So there are no real courts of law. They're courts of equity slash law. So, so much for the common law copyright. If it ain't registered with the copyright office, you ain't got no copyright. Period. Just a matter of law, folks. Law, jurisdiction, you know, I mean, that's like saying, well, I'm going to go get my Chevy fixed at the Ford dealer. It don't work like that. Okay? All right, so let's just get to stuff and things, and boy, there's a lot going on, just like always, isn't there? Okay, let's start with this. The uh, David Cameron, what a piece of garbage that guy is. You really got to wonder about the English. He's done about as much to destroy England as Obama's done to destroy America. They're butt buddies, I'd say. That's my opinion. I don't know that for a fact. Don't take that as the truth. But uh, that's my opinion about those two freaks. But he has done about as much to ruin and destroy England as uh, Obama's done here in America. But he's not done. Because, see, the people of England want out of the EU. They don't want part of this crap thing they put together because they're smarter than that. So, like the Republican Party here in the United States and the Democratic Party, where the people, you know, have decided they want Donald Trump. Hey, right or wrong, whether you like it or not, that's what the majority, uh, <clears throat> I'll even say vast majority, have decided. But the Republican Party up until, you know, a few days ago was saying, we don't care. Uh, and they still might not care. They may be lying. If he doesn't get the... It's a, let's say he gets 1,200 instead of 1,237 or whatever it's supposed to be. I bet they still try some monkey business on him. They don't care what you think. They don't care what you say. They want to do what they want to do, and by God, they're going to do it. And the big thing is... It's not because Donald Trump's a billionaire. It's not because Donald Trump's ideas are just so, uh, oh, my gosh, they're crazy. He's a lunatic. He's a bigot. He's a racist. He's a woman hater. He's a this. He's a that. Every name they have been able to think of, they have called this guy. And it may or may not be true, but that isn't the reason they don't want him anyway. They don't want him because of the one thing that they don't call him that much. And that's a nationalist. And the reason they don't want to call him a nationalist is because a lot they don't want that discussion starting. They're afraid of that discussion, folks. They don't want you to realize this election is all about globalism versus, well, not even nationalism. Because really, I haven't heard Donald Trump say anything about wanting to make, you know, uh, everybody else a separate thing about destroying the EU, about burning down the UN. Because I would, if I was running for president, that's what I would suggest. My first executive order would be to bulldoze 
the UN building in New York and arrest the Rockefeller, everybody in, in, uh, involved with the Rockefeller Foundation. Yeah. And seize that property and put up a memorial to all the people in all the world that the United Nations is responsible for killing. That would be my first executive order. I'd have to get a robo-signer, or else I'd get corporal tunnel for all the executive orders I'd be uh, writing. And they'd be things like that. Not laws on the American people. Because, well, everybody knows the president doesn't have any authority to just unilaterally write laws for the American people. Apparently, Obama didn't get that memo, but... The English people are going to get to vote on getting out of the EU, and they're afraid. The globalists are terrified. Oh, by the way, I wouldn't call it nationalism. I would call it Americanism. You see, because they don't want to talk about that. Because these elections are about us. Screw the rest of the world, folks. And that's not isolationism. That's just protectionism. There's nothing wrong with protecting yourself, is there? I mean, unless you're, uh, you know, I don't know what, even Democrats want to protect themselves. I mean, the way Hillary Clinton snarls and growls and, 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 you know, defends herself, even though she's indefensible, she still tries. So, I mean, even Democrats want to defend themselves. So, hey, what's wrong with protectionism? And what's wrong with Americanism? Is there something wrong? With promoting Americanism? I don't think so. So you see, they don't want to have that discussion. They want to say he's a bigot, he's a racist, he's a he's a misogynist, he hates women, he's having a war on women, uh, he hates migrants, he hates everybody except white people. He loves the KKK, he hates everybody else. This is all the gar- garbage they've got to say, but they never say, well, what we really don't like is this whole Americanism thing. America first? No, we can't have that, okay? That's got to go away. Everybody who has ever said that has been erased, okay? Look at Walmart. They used to have it all over the place. They used to promote, hey, made in the USA. Sam Walton used to go out and actually find businesses that made things that he wanted to sell at Walmarts and say, hey, how many of these can you make? Well, we can make a million a year. Oh, man. Well, I need $10 million a year, so tell you what I'm going to do. I'll give you a low-interest loan, you know, 1% or 2% low-interest loan to make up for the uh, inflation because he wasn't stupid. I'll loan you the money to expand your business, hire a bunch of more Americans to start making $10 million of these things, and we'll buy them from you, which means we'll be paying you. And you can pay us back the loan. Yeah, that was the program. Hey, you see any of that at Walmart anymore? No, the little bastards that he uh, spawned into the world hired a bunch of lawyers and said, just make us a lot of money. That's all we care about. Bye-bye. We don't want anything to do with the business. And now we have what is an expanded version of what Kmart was. Because Kmart started the Chinese thing long before Walmart did. As a matter of fact, we had a Kmart in, in Medford, Oregon, and then Walmart moved into town. And I stopped shopping at Kmart specifically because nothing in that store was made in the United States. Many things 
at Walmart were made in the United States. And they had little American, you know, red, white, and blue tags on, on them. And they were all over the place. Now, obviously, there was still a lot of stuff made from foreign countries, but there was a lot of things made in the United States. No more. Well, all that's been, you know, they have quietly erased all that from our culture. Now, here's Trump saying, make America great again. And Hillary Clinton wants to say America is already great? Okay, uh, what's great about it? I, I, You know what? I can tell you exactly where Hillary Clinton would go with this if 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 there was a journalist in the world that actually would say, uh, you know, your campaign thing says, uh, you know, to counter Trump that he wants to make America great again, and you're saying America's already great. What is great about America? And I guarantee you, because I've seen it on the local level, I've had this conversation with elected Democrats. They will end up telling you the reason we are great is because we're better than them. And they will point to the most despotic, poverty-ridden cesspool on the planet and say, we are great because we are better than them. That's their way. That's how they sell things. And then the sheeple all sit there and nod their head and go, well, yeah, we are better than them. That's true. We are better than them. Oh, okay, well, yeah, oh, okay, well, you know what I said? I said, that's great. So you're telling me I should be happy because we're not as bad as North Korea, because that's who they used as their uh, example, because the situation here in Jackson County was they had invited some North Korean uh, families or something. Were they North Korean? I think they were. And, oh, they were just so wonderful. They didn't watch TV. They played guitar and sang songs at night and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, uh-huh. And we're better off than they are. Yeah, sure, that's great. Hmm, let's pick the most despotic country on the planet and use that as our guidepost of how good we're doing. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't accept it. Neither should you. I told them. I said, look, are you kidding me? You're telling me I should be happy that we're doing better than North Korea? Really? And I explained to them, you know what? America used to be the guidepost. We used to set the standard. We were the pinnacle of excellence around the world that every other country used to strive to be like. I was alive during that time. It's not happening anymore, folks. America is not great anymore. And, and you know, great is a sliding scale because we weren't all that great then either. But, I mean, you know, as far as morally and uh, honestly and all that stuff, nah, not, not, not so much. But, hey, better than now. Ooh, hey, there I go. See how infectious the democratic tripe can be? Oh, well, hey, yeah, but, it, hey, you know, at least we're, you know, we're doing better than them. 
Anyway, so David Cameron is telling his people now, the English people, that, uh, oh, oh, well, uh, hey, you know, if we get out of the, if we get out of the EU, it could start World War III. In other words, this is his political way of saying, well, you know what, if we do what you want, we'll all die, 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 I tell you, we'll all be dead, dead, dead. Because, you know, that's really actually what, you know, you can expect out of World War III. And it's just, it's it's ridiculous, okay? It's ridiculous. It's, it's so clearly fear-mongering, and he has got to be desperate. I mean, it's just like, you know, Ted Cruz. Oh, well, you know, if you people in Indiana vote for uh, Donald Trump, America will fall into the abyss. The abyss? Wow. Hey, I'd go for that maybe if, you know, he'd limit it to, like, California, okay? But, I mean, really? The abyss? Well, hey, I guess you could figure World War III's kind of the abyss. Right? Yeah, well, anyway, so that's what's going on there in... Uh, in England, and he says the real the threat is Russia, and he calls it belligerent Russia. Belligerent Russia. See now, listen, folks. This is a State Department English fantasy. It's a. It's not true. Russia has not been belligerent anywhere. Russia has simply stepped in and said, look, you know, we're going to protect our interests. And we have interests here. And in Syria, hey, you know, Russia exposed Obama's BS lies about the fact that ISIS or ISIL or whatever the hell they'll call it, because they call it different names to keep people off balance. It's a very simple little psychological trick Oh, and it's not going to make people, you know, it's not going to make most of the people just go, oh, I have no idea. You know, but they're not going to be able to focus as clearly. When you every news story you see talking about the same group uses a different name every time. Is it ICE? Uh, you know, is, you know, IS, ISIL? Is it uh, ISIS or is it the Damkish or whatever the heck the ragheads call it? Which I really don't care what they call it. You know, I, I mean, which is it? And people, you, it's a, it's a very simple little psychological trick, man. And it keeps it, it makes it more difficult. Let's put it that way for people to focus. And people are so diminished mentally as it is that any little thing that makes it more difficult makes it impossible for some people. Okay, and this is why they do it. Yeah, yeah. Russia came into Syria and said, "Oh, you poor things! You're having just you're over here just bombing the hell out of civilians day and night, and you just can't seem to find that pesky ISIS, huh?" Well, tell you what, we're here to help you. We're gonna help you. We we'll find them and we'll get rid of them. And he did. 
and it kind of wrecked uh, wrecked Obama's little plan because ISIS is the United States. It is Obama's own little illegal personal army, all right, of mercenaries. That's what ISIS is. I suspect they're probably the same group run by, you know, run by the same group called Blackwater a while back before they changed their name three times also. Getting the pattern here? Huh? Folks, it, you got to pay attention to these little patterns you see here. Let's see, Blackwater changed their name three or four times. Now ISIS changes their name three or four times. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. Anyway, and you know what? If, if Russia was, and, and this wouldn't even be belligerent, Russia should march into the Ukraine and kill that guy we put in there as a puppet who works for Goldman Sachs. By the way... Yeah, the Ukrainian president, educated in the United States and worked for Goldman Sachs. What a coinkadink, huh? Wow. Who'd have figured? Yeah, he should be strung up. The whole uh, bunch of those uh, Nazis that the Americans put in there, the American government put in there, should be executed and given back to the people who voted democratically for their own president who happen to be pro-Russia. You know why? Because most of the people in the Ukraine are pro-Russian. Meaning, they would rather have friendly relations with Russia than the United States. And gosh, go figure. I wonder why. Maybe because, oh, they share a border? And the United States is halfway around the world? Yeah, maybe. Now... Cameron calls Russia belligerent. A newly belligerent Russia. Well, gee, everybody thinks they know what belligerent means, right? Well, in international law, which is what David Cameron is talking about here, he must be because he's the leader of a nation. He's talking about another nation. He's calling them a a belligerent. All right, well, in international law, it's a term used to designate either of two nations which are actually, listen, in a state of war with each other, as well as their allies actively cooperating, as distinguished from a nation which takes no part in the war and maintains a strict indifference between the contending parties, called a neutral. And this has been decided in the U.S. federal courts, but... So, is David Cameron saying there's a, a, a state of war exists between his nation and Russia? Well, you know what? He's right. There is. You know, there is. It's not an open war. It's not a shooting war yet. But it's a war, and it's a war not started by Russia. It's a war started by the West, and you know what? It's the same war they're conducting against Donald Trump. And not so much personally Donald Trump as his idea of Americanism, okay? 
because they are globalists. Globalists are at war with every sovereign nation state because they don't want that. They can't have that. It's not allowed under globalism. They say, oh, you're all sovereign. Really? Well, we'll get to that in a minute because uh, we're all sovereign. Yeah, let's go look at the EU. See, the EU is, everybody says, well, the EU is based on the United States. And the EU, the United Nations, New World Order, is based on what they did with the EU. And we'll come back in a bit and see how much sovereignty those nations keep. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at naturelogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. Cutting that short because it's like a nine-minute song, so uh, we ain't got that kind of time. It is Monday, May 9th, 2016. It is about 12.46 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast. See what I mean? And uh, if that's when it is where you're at, we're live. TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com is the website. Go there and... uh, well, everything you need's there, the players, everything's there, the archives, and if you would like to socialize or participate in the show, you can do so by going to the chat room. You'll see the link over on the left-hand side. Hit it up, go on over there, and bing, bang, boom, you're in there, uh, you know, commiserating with everybody in there. So, let's get back to everything that we were, well, we're not going to get to everything, but hey, World's a big place, lots going on. We left off with David Cameron basically claiming that, uh, you know, they're at war with Russia. He'll deny it, but that's what he said. Unless he's an idiot and he doesn't know what he's saying. He's the leader of a country, speaking internationally. He should know. Here's something you all should just be really, really happy about. Illegal aliens get 1,261 more welfare dollars than American families. Now, this is, (laughs) given what I know I live on, welfare families that are of illegal aliens get $5,692, and American families on welfare Poor things only get $4,431. Now, this is over a year, okay? So, you know, that's not a whole lot of money. But hey, what the heck? Who couldn't use, uh, you know, four or five grand extra dollars? I sure could. You know what? That's about, well, okay, the American household, I'll have to go buy that. That's a little under half of what I live on. Wow. Not bad, huh? But, oh, wait a minute. Illegal aliens? That's over half of what I live on. Yeah. 5,006. And why is that? Is Hey, that'd be racist, I think. You know, that sounds discriminatory to me. Why are... Alien families getting, well, wait a minute. Why are alien families getting any welfare at all? Every other country on the planet doesn't allow immigrants into their country if they're going to have to support them. You've got to show that you can support yourself if you go to any other country on the planet, but not here. I guess it's, uh, you know, it's okay. Some of you guys in the chat room that actually have jobs, are you happy? You're paying for that? I know. You're proud, aren't you? You're glad to help those people, aren't you? Anyhow, here's something else for all you Fedbook lovers out there. You think Fedbook is basically uh, driven by the users of Fedbook? Like when you go to their little news part over there where it's like, oh, here's what's trending in the news. <laughs> Guess what? No, it's not. 
FedBook workers routinely suppressed news stories of interest to conservative readers from the social network's influential trending news section, according to a former journalist who worked on the project. This individual says that the workers prevented stories about the right-wing CPAC gathering, Mitt Romney and Rand Paul, and other conservative topics from appearing in the highly influential section, even though they were organically trending among the site's users. In other words, FedBook users were talking about these stories a lot, but FedBook itself would not put them on their trending news section. Several other FedBook news curators as they were known internally, also told Gizmodo that they were instructed to artificially inject selected stories into the trending news module, even if they weren't popular enough to warrant inclusion, or in some cases, were not trending at all. The former news curators, all of whom worked as contractors, also said they were directed not to include news about FedBook itself in the trending module. In other words, FedBook's news section operates just like every other mainstream newsroom, reflecting the biases of its workers and the institutional imperatives of the corporation. So, if you think... Oh, well, I get my news from FedBook because that's driven by the people. You're an idiot, okay? Sorry. Well, you know what? I'm going to insult, like, probably most of the audience out there because if you're on FedBook, and I don't mean just having a FedBook account, and I don't even mean if you use it for business, and I don't even mean if you have it, well, I do kind of mean that because, you know, when you start talking to family, you might say things that, it's only for family, right? And I don't care if you've got your FedBook account closed to only people you let in there, which you would think is only your family. But uh, guess what? Every employee at FedBook is reading your stuff, okay? Which means everybody at the NSA is reading your stuff. So you're foolish if you think you can talk openly to your family on FedBook. Now, look, if all you're doing is saying, hey, here's the, well, I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to do that either because, you know, here's a picture of the grandkids. Yeah, well, guess what? You know, <laughs> now they're put into the big database and they can be, uh, you know, uh, put into the facial recognition software. And, hey, you've just made your children or grandchildren part of the beast system now to where they can be tracked just by their face. Wow. But then again, you know, you ever put a picture on the Internet? Well, I have. I don't care. I don't care if they track me around. I don't care if they know who I am. See, but a lot of people do. But, you know, I think, you're, I, I think FedBook is good for one thing and one thing only, and that is to promote your business. If you have a business, fine. Because, hey, I can't deny it. There are a lot of people on FedBook. That's just a fact. And in business, you know, you want to put out your business name and what you do and what you got and all the good things about your business to as many people as you can. So FedBook's good for that. But you know what? I would keep my personal ramblings off of FedBook. Unless you are very, very careful 
but most people aren't. They just go bang, 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 ah, off the Fed book it goes. Have you ever written an email? Have you ever gotten angry at some company or some person or somebody, something, some, something, and wrote an email, and it's scathing, and it's, it's just, and then you put it off, and you leave it in draft, and then you come back, and you read it again, and you go, oh, boy, you know, like, got to take this out, got to take that out. Oh, I don't want to say that. I think I'll say it this way instead. You ever do that? Well, you see, you don't get that on FedBook. Your fingers just, off it goes. And once you think, ooh, I probably shouldn't have said that, it's too late. It's out there. Yep. FedBook's a problem, folks. You know, I wouldn't, you know, and plus, there is also the uh, fact that FedBook is I call it, you know what, I call. I don't just call it FedBook because, uh, oh, Facebook, FedBook, uh, isn't that clever? No, I mean that. FedBook, I mean that. That Facebook was created by the federal government. That that punk piece of garbage, Zuckerberg, is nothing but a front man, okay? They found some kid that had, you know, uh, some sort of bogus qualifications that, oh, yeah, 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 we can prop him up there because we want this to be the cool, hip place to be. And we got to have some young, cool, hip, techie guy up there. So they found one, and they made him a billionaire. And all he has to do is play his part. You remember MySpace? What happened to MySpace? Gee, why isn't MySpace around? I'll tell you why. Because MySpace didn't have the built-in, we're tracking you. We're adding this into a supercomputer that is creating a profile on you, software, or access. That's why MySpace didn't, well, it was taking off. It was very popular. And then what happened? Do you remember? I do. Out comes all the news stories from the mainstream media saying, oh, MySpace is dangerous. People are getting raped and killed on MySpace. Really? Oh, yes, it's too dangerous for your children to go on MySpace. Facebook is so much safer and betterer and everything. And so they killed MySpace, basically, and FedBook took over. Huh, wonder why. Oh, I know why. Because it's NSA, CIA software running that thing, and Zuckerberg is nothing but a little shill. That's why. So when I say FedBook, I really, really mean it. Eh, you can argue all you want, but it doesn't matter. All right, U.S. presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders recently tweeted, It's no mystery why Monsanto fights against our right to know about GMOs in food. Yeah, business is booming for this huge chemical company. Supporters of GMO are fond of telling people that this technology will feed the world. Those who oppose it are below the standards of common decency. But Sanders hits the, na- Sanders hits the nail on the head by implying commercial interests and huge profits take precedence over concern for public good. Labeling would lead to consumers rejecting food containing GMOs. Monsanto makes huge profits annually, and its frontman, CEO Hugh Grant, 
and VP Rob Farley are amply rewarded. Grant brought in just under $12 million in 2015. Fraley raked in just under 3.4 In January 2015, Monsanto reported a profit of $243 million. Of course, that was down from $368 million the year before. In the meantime, millions of Indian farmers live on knife's edge thanks to having been encouraged to experiment with the Monsanto's GM cotton. Uh... There's a case where uh, Barat Dagra, his shift to GMO cotton uh, as a result of heavy pressure from the company's sales agents proved disastrous. And his case is not a one-off. It's going on all over the place. You've all heard about the suicide of Indian farmers because, <laughs> you know, they can't they can't do it. They can't make them. They can't make a profit. They're going broke, and they can't afford any more, and their families are starving. Eh, bummer, huh? Hmm. Well, they also mention in here that, uh, yeah, let's see. Listen, and then I'm going to move on. Oh, well, I'm probably going to move off because I'm out of time, but I've said this at uh, you know, and I, I think a lot of times I say things and people think I'm just talking and I don't know, and I just say things because, you know, whatever. Listen, with a legal obligation to maximize profits for shareholders, Monsanto seems less concerned with the impacts of its products on public health uh, uh, than it's, uh, you know, making profit. So, you see, folks, there is a legal obligation to maximize profits in at, at all, you know, with everything else to the side, safety, anything. Everything else comes secondary, and they have a legal obligation. Anyhow, I'm done for right now. I'll be back again tonight. We'll do two hours. We'll have Dean Lauren on. We've got a full day between now and then. Coming up next is financial survival, so stay tuned. And as always, thanks for listening. I heard it through the grapevine, my new neighbor don't like my big red barn. A 47 Ford bullet holes in the door broke down motor in the front yard. <laughs> I gotta have a mind to paint a plywood sign and nail it up on a knotted pine tree. Saying I was here first, this is my piece of dirt and your rambling don't rattle me. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. 
Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. And I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events. And it's Monday, May 9th, 2016. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. Well, a little bit of pressure on gold and silver today, the, the precious metals uh, sector um, overall. And uh, we had uh, gold currently down in the New York spot, down 24.90 at 12.63.80. You have silver down 49 at 17.05. Platinum is down 38 at 1,045. <clears throat> Palladium is down 25 at 586 dollars. The USDX today was trading just. Slightly higher, 0.34 at 94.17, but pressure on crude oil down 130 at 43.36. And the paper markets today um, didn't do much. They were up in early morning trade, but uh, they reversed themselves. The last time I saw the Dow was down. Uh, let's bring this up here real quick. And we have the Dow. None of my computers are really quick anymore. Down 34. The Dow down 34 at 17,705. The NASDAQ is down is up 14 at 4750. The S&P was up 155. That's 1.55 at 2058. 10-year yield 1.76% down 0.2 and the euro is at 1 14 down 0.22. European markets, and I guess China was down once again. And, you know, perhaps our commodity sector had a little bit of a hangover from China. Uh, Chinese commodities, they took a dive today, led by a 6% fall in steel, iron ore futures, um, you know, with deepening worries that China's demand um, is not uh, 
as resilient as they once thought a month ago. So you had a lot of speculative funds going into these Chinese commodities last month, uh, betting that the economy was bottoming. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, doesn't seem to be the case. And uh, so their their commodity sector dived a lot. So we could have just had a little bit of a hangover from that. I think we saw that in the platinum and palladium segments, uh, with palladium being down over 4%. And um, so we'll have to see what tomorrow brings for gold and silver. Um, And, uh, you know, lots of times you get these big hits on a sector and uh, you'll have pressure on all of them. Platinum was down three and a half percent, with palladium down four percent, a little over four percent. So, and there is no coherent theory at the moment as to why the precious metals took a significant hit today. And it's interesting to me. I looked and I saw that. I mean, about half of the of the down. There's twenty five dollars down. About half of that occurred in foreign markets overnight before American markets opened up. Well, that surprises me. It, it it doesn't surprise me because lots of times it's higher in foreign markets down here, and it, but it, that would reflect a little more if it was a hangover from China. Um, you know, in our markets, you're going to have our you know pundits writing about that. Uh, you know, the the gold was lower today, pressured by profit taking from the recent gains. You know, maybe maybe not. Maybe it's a combination of everything. So it's but, a big uh, jump. One day, a big drop, yeah. Without without obvious explanation, we can speculate about it, but there's no obvious explanation as to what right. happened. And it didn't just happen to gold. I mean, gold was the least on a percentage basis. It was the least down compared to silver, platinum, and palladium. Well, as I said, I think it was a hangover from China. And so there are indications that it does show why gold was down. I mean, there's lots of times you can have these kinds of days where there's absolutely no reason whatsoever, but we do have a few. So, you know, you put them all together, and again, when you you can have a sector, you can have the mining sector, you can have, you know, you know, you know, all kinds of pharmaceutical sector, whatever. You can have a few that really takes a big hit and it'll affect the whole the whole thing. And I think this is pretty much what we're seeing today. As I said, we'll have to see what tomorrow brings. Uh, to see if this is a one-day wonder, to see if we can pull back some of the losses that we've taken today. And uh, But the key of it is, you know, long-term fundamentals for gold. And, uh, you know, we, we certainly, uh, um, $25 savings in gold today and 50 cents or 49 cents for silver. So we're going to have the ups and we're going to have the downs. We're going to have big swings either direction. Um, um, it's just part of the beast. And um, so... But over the next several years, we will presumably have more ups than downs. Oh, absolutely. Already listening to some of uh, an interview, I'm not quite sure when the interview interview was taken with Donald Trump. He's already talking about uh, negotiating our debt with higher rates and... um, uh, so, Katie, bar the door because uh, hang on to your hats and buckle up because, uh, you know, if these things uh, come to pass, um, which eventually they will, but sooner than later, um, gold will skyrocket and the markets will fall apart. I think Trump is, he's, I don't think he understands what he's doing relative to the debt. 
Right, that's easy for me to say, and Trump, of course, billionaire and blah, 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 you would think he would understand this. <laughs> but uh, I don't think he really understands what he's getting into here. And he doesn't understand the trap that that debt has created. And we're not going to be able to, we're not going to get out of that trap without chewing our, our arm or our foot off. Uh, we're going to have to behave like a wolf or a raccoon caught in a trap, and we're going to have to chew one of our you know, one of our extremities off in order to get out of the trap. It's not going to be easy, fun, and it won't be without consequence. And Trump seems to think he can solve that problem. And I am going to be much amazed if he can. I think it's too big a problem for anyone to solve. It's been made for years and um, decades it's been building, and there's not going to be an easy Well, solution. this isn't a real estate deal. We're all worth a billion dollars or less. I don't think anybody grasps, you know, you had the unfunded liabilities and, and you know, you know, that $200 trillion is actually increasing uh, by numbers that are being released by the government. So, I mean, you're, $200 trillion. Okay, yeah, let's – so yeah, I agree with you. And I, I'm not so sure anybody truly grasps the the size it's not just a question and of the size. globalization think, and the whole globalization attached. It's. I think the thing about Trump is he actually <clears throat> thinks he can solve this thing. All right. Yeah, I don't think he understands there are some problems that cannot be resolved. They just have to be allowed to. I mean, it's like a it's like a bomb with a very short fuse. Don't try to pull the fuse out of the bomb. Just take or make a run for it. Get over the hill. Hide behind something. Uh, Trump seems to behave. He, he gives me the impression he thinks he's, oh, hell, there's no problem. There's a pull the fuse. Mm, I don't think so. I think this thing's going to blow up one way or another. And when it does, anyone who's close to it is going to be is going to be, uh, be a bad hair day for him, for sure. And Trump can't afford a bad hair day, Melody. He's had all the, bad hair, to... days. He's had all the bad hair days that he wants in his life, and he doesn't want another one. If I had to look at a positive, mm -hmm. with Trump being in there, as if this begins to unfold and unwind, I think that he would be in a position to perhaps deal with certain circumstances, maybe with a better understanding than some. I agree. But again, it's not going to be fixing the problem. It's going to be addressing yeah, I agree with that. the crisis. The I agree. I think, he, I think he can deal with it as pragmatically as anyone. Because I think he's just going to say, okay, here's what's really going on here. Here's what we got to do because it's the only choice we have. Well, I don't think anybody can buffalo him. Now, does he have the power through the Fed? And, you know, will the Fed agree? Will, you know, Congress, you know, those are other things that we don't know. But um, there's no one that can fix the problem. It's just a matter of who can, um, you know. No one can eliminate the problem. Nobody can fix it. Nobody can eliminate it. We're going to go through a situation where the debt is going to be repudiated to substantial degree. Mm -hmm. And there's the problem because all of that debt, again, one man's debts, another man's assets. You wipe out that debt, you wipe out a correlative amount of paper assets. 
It means people holding pieces of paper that they've, they're storing their wealth on pieces of paper. It's got somebody's signature on it. And they think they're, they think they're wealthy because they've got that piece of paper. A, a large number, almost, uh, I can't imagine it's not at least 50%, maybe 80-90% of those paper debt instruments are going to turn out to be worthless. And the problem is, and there's no place for anybody to go. You can't, you can't move your money offshore. You can't move it anyplace else because this is so it's just so interrelated with everything. It's not just the U.S. It's the world. There isn't anybody in a better shape than, you know, maybe China. But, you know, no, you can, you can you, well, let me finish. You can read into other reports of saying they're not any better. Um, so, I mean, so I can't, I don't know of any country that would be any better. No, I don't think of any is. size that makes a difference. And so when when we go, and we've been saying this for years and years and years and years, when we go, the world's going to go. And it's there's no place for anybody to to protect there's no place that you can protect your money. If you want to hold on to paper, great. But you know, the only place that I see that I understand and it's not just because I sell it because I couldn't sell it if I didn't believe in it or understand it is gold and silver because they will people will run to gold and silver as a true safe haven and it really is as simple as that yeah the only thing that's standing between the gold and the people at the moment is the perception that the dollar has a value and that the dollar itself is a safe haven but even that presumption is unwarranted it's commonplace and everybody seems to think that but it's really not warranted and uh Sooner or later, you know, I mean, anyone who listens to the program, you can hear the commercial. We've loved, the dollar's lost over 90% of its, or 95% of its purchasing power and since 1971, as compared to gold, right? Again, it's lost 95% in the last 45 years or thereabouts. What does that mean? Well, it gives you a pretty good indication that it's going to lose 96% and then 97% and then 98 and 99. And you're going to, and finally you're going to get to a point where the dollar and people are going to wake up and say, oh my gosh, the dollar is worthless. Who would have thought that was possible? Well, when we have that moment, that's when people will say the dollar is not a safe haven. What a surprise. This is shocking. I'm shocked. I tell you, shocked. And then they'll come crashing into gold and silver. Then we'll see some real, we, we will see some real price increases. Uh, so, I don't know, you can look at it and it seems inevitable. The only thing we don't understand clearly is when is it going to happen. But every day it seems like it's getting closer. I see nothing. You know, they had that, they had that, that clock that indicated how close or distant we were to World War III. And they carry, and that clock was around, I think, from sometime after World War II. I don't know when it was created. But it was up to where we were five minutes to midnight, and that's when we'd have World War III, or four, or three, or two, and something, we'd back off. and It was always fairly close. It's the same thing. We, we should have a clock like that right now to indicate how close we are to some sort of a monetary crisis that is going to be astonishing and mind-boggling. And at the, when that crisis, when the crisis arrives, people are going to be shocked and hurt and blah, blah, blah. 
But the clock, if you can think in terms of if there had been a clock, we've been getting closer and closer and closer and closer to that midnight mark. And I haven't seen anything to speak of that's given us reason to think that the bad, that the but the minute hand is backing off and going away. It's a two minutes and it backs off to three and four and five, you know, before it gets to before it gets to the midnight mark. It just keeps on getting closer and closer and closer. Um, do we see any evidence? Is there a silver lining somewhere under? Things are going to get better. Do you? Does anyone in the audience? Does do you see it, Melody? Does anyone in the audience see it? You know, cause for optimism where we can simply say, yay, we've got this under control. I don't think so. I think the only thing we have to be optimistic about, if there's anything at all, is that the people in positions of power may be able to kick this can a little further down the road and buy a little more time before the whole thing blows up in everybody's face. And that's what we're doing right now. We're just buying time and buying time, and uh, who knows? I can't blame them. You know, if you had to choose between having a bomb go off tonight and a bomb go off a month from now, I'll take a month from now. You know, give us a month. Who knows? Maybe we can stop the bomb from coming here. Or we now, can make, but maybe, but or we can make buying more, time is human nature. Or we can make more money <laughs> off of those that are, you know. So it's all about making money, Al. Mm. It's all about, you know stripping the rest of the US uh, and every other nation on the you know in the world to you know whatever they can get they will get and um and the only good thing about it is when they do get it the truth of the matter is they will deserve it all of us will because we have been foolish and ignorant and we have insisted on being entertained rather than educated and as a result, we're coming to a moment when everybody's going to say, oh, shucks, this isn't that much fun. But it's not as if we will be the innocent victims. There are people who are know what's happening. They've, they've exploited people's ignorance. They are wrong, wicked, whatever. But there's plenty of other people running around in a majority, and they're just, they don't mind being ignorant. And as long as that's true, they can't really complain if they are victimized by what may be headed our way. I'm Alfred Adeskir with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We'll take a break and be back in a moment. Please stay tuned. part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. 
So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663 or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663 or thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Adams here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. Programs brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188. Got an article from Business Insider. We were talking about debt uh, in the first segment of the program. Here's an article from Business Insider, and the headline is U.S. Commercial Bankruptcies Are Skyrocketing. What's that got to do with debt? Well, it means a bunch of corporations aren't going to pay their bills. And the number is growing, which means that some percentage, now this is not, this is presumably small potatoes compared to the national debt. This doesn't have, you know, this is a you know, drop in the bucket compared to the national debt. But still, it's evidence that people are getting into a situation, at least businesses, corporations are getting into a, into a circumstance where they are going to be unable to pay their debts, which means people that are holding their bonds and their stocks are going to find themselves suddenly devoid of whatever they invested. That's going to be gone, which is the kind of thing we've been warning you about on this program for well, years. We're going to reach that moment when people have to admit, oops, we can't pay the debt. And the people that are holding the correlative debt instruments as stocks or bonds, they're going to find out that their wealth that they put in that piece of paper is wiped out. Here's some of the text from the article. 
It says one of the big indicators of the end of the credit cycle is the number of bankruptcies. During good times, earlier in the credit cycle, companies borrow money. Then overconfident and lured by low interest rates and over-optimistic rosy scenario rhetoric emanating from all sides, they do what the Fed and Wall Street firms want them to do. They borrow even more money. Then reality sets in, and they buckle under this pile of debt. The bankruptcy filings of Ultra Petroleum and Mid-States Petroleum on Friday and Saturday brought gas and oil bankruptcies of companies rated by Fitch and other rating agencies to 59. These two companies compiled a $3.1 billion in defaulted junk bonds and another $1.5 billion in defaulted loans on top of the growing mountain of defaulted oil and gas debt. There's three and three, between the two of them, there's $4.6 billion in debt that's not going to be paid, which means there's $4.6 billion worth of bonds some people are holding on to, and they're saying, ha, 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 I am rich. And, and reality is saying, uh-uh, no, you're not. The article continues, it says, with these two bankruptcies, Fish Ratings raised its high-yield energy default rate to an all-time record of 13%, all-time record, okay? And now projects that by the end of 2016, the default rate will jump to an even more glorious record of 20%. Mm-hmm. This presumably means that 20% of the people in the uh, it doesn't say specifically, but I believe they're talking about just oil and gas for this 13 and 20 percent. Then it goes on. It says it's not just oil and gas. It's not just companies whose bonds and loans are traded and are rated by Fitch and other rating agencies. These are the larger outfits, big enough to have bondholders and big enough to, for the financial media to report. But bankruptcies of all kinds and all sizes and in a wide variety of sectors are now soaring. Total U.S. commercial bankruptcy filings in April arose by 3% from March and soared 32% from a year ago to 3,482. That's on a monthly basis. The American Bankruptcy Institute, that's a report from the American Bankruptcy Institute, it was the sixth month in a row of year-over-year increases. That tells us that we're not just looking at a little blip on the radar right now or an anomaly. You know, six months isn't a year. It's not, you know, it isn't necessarily a trend, but it certainly looks like that, and it's growing. Bankruptcies, more bankruptcies, more bankruptcies, more bankruptcies. Um, Of these commercial bankruptcies in April, 680 were in Chapter 11, up 67% year over year. The the rest were liquidations. And the pace is quickening in just one month. From 450 in March, Chapter 11 filings have skyrocketed by 51%. That's in one month from March to April. The American Bankruptcy Institute pointed at distress in a number of sectors, including energy and retail. Now, energy is no surprise. You've got the fracking industry as on its you know they're in big, they're in trouble because the price of crude oil has dropped uh, to where it's just barely profitable right now for the for the uh, for the fracking uh, 
on the fracking end of the oil producing industry. Um, they could get by on this, but they've had a difficult time. Um, the broadest, the broadening scope of this wave of bankruptcies is a strong indicator that the credit, credit cycle has ended, that the credit bubble created by the Federal Reserve to reflate the collapsed prior credit bubble is now also deflating. In other words, in order to support the bubble economy, the Fed used quantitative easing and pumped a bunch of money into the economy or a bunch of currency into the economy to try to increase inflation and make things move faster and try to speed things up and give us a stronger economy. But all they succeeded in doing was creating a brand new bubble, not a recovery, a bubble. All right. And what they're saying here is that the credit bubble created by the Fed to reflate the, the collapsed prior credit bubbles is now also deflating. Um, but this time, the Fed, after incessantly flip-flopping, still has interest rates pegged at near zero. <clears throat> the way I read that is, insofar as the interest rates are still pegged as near, at near zero, in theory, the interest rates should be to the advantage of the corporations. Low interest rates should serve them. They should diminish the total amount that they have to pay off on their debts. And even with that advantage, the number of bankruptcies is growing and from, you know, and they're soaring, a term they used in this article, if we can believe this article, it's, they're soaring, which is, what's the problem with, why are they going bankrupt? Because they borrowed money that they are no longer able to repay. Right? They anticipated that we would have a stronger economy than we do. They thought their own business would be better than it is. Now they're caught in a bind and they can't make a, they can't pay their debts and therefore they are filing for bankruptcy. This is the kind of thing in a, in a, in a microcosm. All right. This is a small example of what I think we can expect to see in, in, in the foreseeable future on a larger scale where a lot of companies go bankrupt. And when they do, they not only wipe out the debt, they wipe out the correlative paper debt instruments that people are holding as wealth. They become valueless. And then we lose paper wealth, right? We think of it as wealth, it's just paper. But still, we have used the paper wealth to store whatever we've earned with hard work or dumb luck. Got a certain amount of wealth. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it into stocks. Or no, I'll put it into bonds. But every single time I'm putting it into paper. And all of that paper looks good and it seems to be solid, but we're living in a world where there are too many debts to be paid in full. And again, I've said it for years, I think they're going to lose at least 80% of the debts and maybe 90%. And... If you're holding paper and we get to that moment and it seems like we're coming closer all the time, here we see commercial bankruptcies increasing significantly. You know, another sign, another leaf in the breeze that if you're in paper, you're in jeopardy and you might, might do well if you, uh, to get into something tangible. Put your wealth into something tangible. 
right? The work, the energy, the intelligence, the effort, the luck that's gone, that's, that's provided you with a certain amount of wealth over the years, it's going to disappear if you keep holding it in the form of paper, almost certainly. I mean, some, some investments will undoubtedly do well. Some bonds may do well. But the vast majority, so far as I'm able to see, are going to disappear. And when they do, you have something you can hang on your wall. It's a nice souvenir. But it's not going to be worth whatever you put into it. There's a, a restructuring company, Aiken Gump, over there in Texas where you're at. Mm-hmm. They said that the U.S. oil industry is not even halfway through its yeah. wave of bankruptcies. Mm-hmm. And since 2014, they've pretty much uh, erased over a trillion dollars from the valuations of U.S. energy companies. And this mm-hmm. is according to the Dow Jones U.S. Mm-hmm. Oil and Gas Index. So we're only halfway through. Yep. So Got another trillion to go. We haven't felt the impact yet. Yep. From this, and although you read articles and commentary about saying, "Well, this, you know, this crash in the oil industry, you know, it's not going to be the same as, you know, the housing and the financial uh, busts uh, back in 2007, 2009." However, if you look at the if you look at the structure of our economy, and if you, you look at the structure of our finances, I would think that this continues through. Uh, now, if they maintain these oil prices, it could change things a little bit. But I would think that it could view the, the trickle-down and everything could be far far worse than what 2007 and 2009 brought. Well, for one thing, we're watching the ripples. It's not just a question of a particular company goes broken, and that's a problem right. for the people who invested in that, who invested in that company and whatever. Um but there will be consequences. There will be ripple effects. These companies owe money to institutions and other corporations and lenders. And if the lenders lose enough money, they go out of business. The other institutions, they lose enough money because the oil people are going out of business. There can be a ripple effect. And we're not as strong. The economy is nowhere near as strong today as it was, say, in no. 2007. Yeah. We won't be able to absorb, depending, you know, uh, if we get some serious ripples moving through the economy, we're not going to be able to absorb them as well as we did back 2007, right? 2006, 2007. We're not going to be that strong. So, uh, you know, it's it's just another one of these leaves in the breeze. Talk about it all the time. It's simply another indicator that we're getting close to something, right? That will be unpleasant. And the only way you're likely to get through it and keep keep your wealth is if you store that wealth in something tangible like gold or silver. You can do land, you can do tools, you can do guns, you can do bullets, you can do food, water. There's a bunch of things you can put it into, but if you want it liquid, where you can where you can use it to purchase things, then you want gold or silver coins. That's what you really want on this thing. And even, you know, push comes to shove bars, but you're not going to be selling gold or silver bars very easily out on the street. You're going to have to deal with professionals. Gold and silver coins, you can work those. There are people in your neighborhood who will buy them. They'll give you tangible things for tangible money. And uh, well, Just like anything with any gold and silver product, there's a place 
there's a purpose and a place in a portfolio, and you have to know what the product is, and that's what we do here at Discount Gold and Silver. We we tell you what's the best product that'll fit your that that'll be suitable for you. Bars can be great if you're looking to buy a a lo- very large sum of money. You used to be able to buy bars of you know a few cents over spot. Well, that's not the case anymore. So you have to really view and weigh the benefits of buying a bar. Is there a benefit over a bar or over a coin? Usually, it was savings. Um, now that savings really only applies to those who put large sums of money, you know, 500000 plus, and then you get a significant savings. But if you're looking to buy 20 ounces, the savings that you get from a bar, you're, it's just not enough to benefit um, a bar over a coin. So, I mean, this is how you, view, you have to view things when you're purchasing your gold and silver, just like Perth Mint certificates. Like, what's the point? You know, if you don't have that gold in your hand, you don't own it. You're still owning a certificate. And, uh, you know, people think by owning mining shares. There's some good mining shares out there. But just because you own a mining share doesn't mean that you own gold. Just because you own a certificate doesn't mean that you own a gold. Because you have an account online that tells you that you're, you know, you can write a check or use a credit card against a, an amount that they tell you that doesn't mean that you own gold. So, you know, the, the, the gold and silver market has become very confusing to a lot of people because these programs are not explained, they're not marketed, and they're not sold properly. And that's the problem. So, um if you have any questions on any of these programs, give us a call. Uh, you do need to own more than 5 or 10% of gold in your portfolio. If you only own 5%, what's the point? You know, somebody who has a half a million dollars and you're told to put 5% of it in physical gold, what's the point? And uh, so, you know, you really have to be active and take a, a major role in positioning your portfolio. And uh, you can't allow people to talk you into, you know, thinking that you have something when you really don't. You know, when you talk about owning gold, as opposed to owning a stock certificate, they're just another piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Every piece of paper that you can find that pretends to be money or currency or something of value like a stock bond what you own is a debt instrument. You can either own gold or you can own paper, which is a debt insofar as I know. I don't know that there's any exception on that. Do you want to own debt? Do you want to own an asset? If you want to own an asset, get yourself some gold. If you're content to own paper debt, get yourself paper. But when it all blows up, you know. Just get it protected and protect it properly. That's the key thing is getting it protected properly. We're going to take a break for some commercial announcements. Melody and I will be back in a moment. Please stay tuned to Financial Survival.
financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival. What's next, Melody? I just want to mention one more thing before we move on to the uh, next comment are the precious metals IRAs. Again, you know, take physical delivery of your products, but for those of you who have IRAs, uh, either the traditional or the Roth, we do have those available for you. I use a company that I've been using since day one. They've got a track record. Yes, your metal is stored at the Delaware Depository. And um, I've been getting calls on some of these other, I think there's a couple of firms, there's not many of them that do it, but there's a couple of firms who uh, tell you that if you open up an LLC, you can take physical delivery of your IRA, precious metals, and you know you, everything is all... Um, all fine and dandy. Well, I don't condone those types of IRAs. Uh, when you sign up for those IRAs with these gold dealers, uh, you're looking at, you know, seven, eight, ten pages of disclaimers. And if the IRS comes nosying around your IRA, is there anyone there that will support you as far as what you have done? I believe if you open up an LLC in your state, you still have to do your what, your filings, your annual filings, you still have to do everything to make it a legitimate LLC. So I think it's a little bit more than, and, and it's probably a little more complicated than just saying, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to do the IRA, take physical delivery of my gold and so forth. Yes, I understand the risk. And if I thought this type of a, an IRA was beneficial and safe and secure, I would recommend it. But at this point in time, I would say no 
to taking physical delivery by opening up your own LLC uh, for a precious metals IRA. The whole point of a precious metals IRA, you do want to do things by the book. I've seen people lose everything thinking that they were doing a legitimate tax um, write-off and it comes to find out they weren't and they end up losing everything or a lot of what they've worked so hard for. So I've seen it happen. I don't want it to happen to you. So be very careful. If you have any questions, give us a call here at Discount Gold and Silver. Tomorrow we're going to bring you some great pricing on some in-state 62, $20 St. Gaudens. I have some coming in tomorrow. And I want to take a peek at them first uh, before we offer these uh, specials on them. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. Uh, we'll have uh, some in-state 62 St. Gaudens for you, specially priced. Okay, we've got a caller, Jim from West Virginia. I'm trying to remember. We have, Jim, have you ever called here before? Oh, would I lie to you and say no? <laughs> I tell jokes and truth. You get to figure out which. There are a couple of things about pieces of paper which are so blatant you forget to mention it because you assume everybody knows it. Let's say that you have $100,000 in a bank. Now, that is a promise to pay, but go try to get the cash. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. You only get so many thousand at a time. So, once again, that's a promise to pay. Another thing about pieces of paper, which I was very disturbed to learn, I talked to, uh, I had some stock from individual companies, and I also had a stock account to make trading easier. Uh, you know, the different names. But for whatever reasons, I decided to ask some questions after somebody told me to ask questions. I said, when I buy stock, do you guys go out and buy the stock and, and, like, put it in a file cabinet? He said, yes. Well, then uh, I've asked for some stock, the certificates, not just the statement. The dates don't match, okay? So basically what I think they do is they go out and tell you you have the stock, and if you want it, that's when they go grab the certificates. I don't know, but that's what that reeks of. I'll tell you what I've been been told by people who might know what they're talking about. And they've explained to me that the certificates, the brokers, there's one certificate for the stocks. Who's got it is anybody's guess, but the brokers, it might be down, I don't know, remember the name, CDC or something like that. Um, But the brokers are reportedly selling multiple, they're selling that stock certificate multiple times. It's possible that if you and I both invest in Melody, all and we all invested in General Motors, it might be that you and I and Melody would each have essentially a claim on a single stock certificate. Yep. They are moving these things around even in the stock market, maybe not to the same extent, but something like we see in the gold markets where there are something like four or 500 Ounces of paper silver for one for every ounce of of or paper gold for every ounce of physical gold that that they have an in inventory. Yep, they have multiple claims, and it's part of the reason why. I mean, you got to be crazy, crazy, or a riverboat gambler to purchase stock. If that's a true story, and I believe it is, uh, you got to be crazy. 
Why do I want to buy a piece of paper that gives me a claim? I mean, good God, there, there could be five, ten other people who had a claim on the same shares of stock. Who's going to get them? So, well, the story goes a little bit more. So I was talking to the stockbroker, asking, a friend of the family, supposedly, uh, after I was told to ask the questions, and I said, uh, when you make stock recommendations, is this uh, basically uh, because you think it's a good buy, or is it something which the company owns and they're trying to get rid of? He said, we always take the customer in first place. I later found out for sure by doing a little bit of research that time and time again, the stocks that they push are the ones they want to dump that they bought. Now, if you don't think these people will do it, Mm -hmm. look at who is a big stockbroker, Wachovia Bank. Perfectly honest people. So if you got these... Huh? On occasion. Yeah. So, folks, there's more risk to paper than you think yeah. if you buy the lies. I'm just going to leave it at that. So, yeah, watch the paper, folks, or watch it go up in smoke. And what right, most worries me about the recovery is the fact we won't have enough capital. Yeah, that's build. the problem. Yeah, we wipe, build out the new we wipe out a correlative amount of capital. Right. I mean, it would be in the Bible. I've talked about this once or twice in the past, but in the Bible they have a jubilee every 50 years. Yeah, they wipe out all the debt in the Old Testament. All the debt is canceled, right? Does it destroy yeah. the local economy? It does not, because back then the, all of the debt was in the form of, in some tangible form. It might be cattle, it might be ounces of silver, it might be ounces of gold. But the point is, I might borrow 20 ounces of gold from, from Jim in the Old Testament. And the, and the, and the 50-year mark rolls around, and it cancels the debt, and I don't owe that 50 ounces or 20 ounces of gold to Jim anymore. Okay? <clears throat> Jim, has, Jim is out, all right? That's a problem for Jim. He's not going to like it, but it's, it prevents him from becoming an oligarch also. Um, Jim loses it, but the 20 ounces of gold are still there in the local economy. I have them, or maybe I gave them to somebody else, or somebody in the economy's got them. But when we have a debt-based monetary system, if we wipe out the debt and say, oops, we can't, somebody says, golly, I can't pay the debt, we, we destroy the correlative paper debt instrument. It's different than if you have gold and silver, because the debt gets wiped out, the correlative asset gets wiped out, too. In the Old Testament, yeah, you wipe out the debt, but the asset is still there. This is why we can't have a jubilee in this system. In fact, this is probably part of the reason why the government is tightened up on bankruptcy laws. They can't let you. It's like Greece. We can't let Greece declare it's, it's not going to pay the debt. We can't have them go bankrupt because they wipe out assets. They don't just wipe out their debt. They wipe out their assets, which is part of the consequence of using this paper-based money system. Anything else, just Jim? To top, and yeah, just to top it off and put a cherry on top of it. It used to be that if an accounting firm signed their John Henry on a report, you could basically take it to the bank. Yeah. Starting sometime, sometime in the 80s, my dad picked up on it before I really believed it. Once again, a lot of times people tell me this stuff, I think, what? They wouldn't do that. Well, guess what? I was wrong again. Yeah. 
But yeah, uh, look at the Enron situation. That let it be known to the whole world that that accounting firm lied their little backsides off to cover it. So, folks, Wall Street, the accounting firms, everybody. It used to be if you were an accountant, a CPA, and you did something like that, they would grab you and hang you about whatever they got hold of first. But that is no longer the case. I don't know of one case at this point that I've heard of recently where an accounting firm went to jail for fraud. So all of Wall Street is infested with every kind of criminal. Mm-hmm. And I'm completely convinced that the LG jerks on Wall Street have dirt on somebody else and the government won't do a dang thing about it. So if you're in paper, you're beyond stupid, okay? Catch you later. All right, Jim, thank you. Well, Jim is right. Um, you know, we've been warning people about this and trying to make it as clear as we can. If you're keeping your wealth in paper, you're in great jeopardy. And, you know, it's not, you can't have a jubilee. Again, they've even tightened up on the uh, on the bankruptcy on the bankruptcy laws. It's like Greece to some extent. Greece will not be allowed. The most sensible thing for Greece to do is simply file for bankruptcy. It can't pay the existing debt. That's the most sensible thing to do. (laughs) But if Greece files for bankruptcy, they lose another fat chunk of the debt disappears and the correlative assets get destroyed. And there's what they're trying to avoid. If enough people go into bankruptcy, this whole system collapses. We have a debt-based monetary system. As long as debt has become a, in this irrational world, it has become a primary form of wealth. Debt. It's crazy. It's irrational. And yet that's the way it is. Therefore, they can't let you cancel your debt, even if you can only make a monthly payment. Pay a little bit. It's okay. As long as you're paying something on the debt, many of these debts can continue to limp along as if they are still performing. They are still valuable. If you're making a $5 a month payment on a $100,000 debt, the debt instrument itself can still be, they can pretend that this thing is still worth $100,000. As long as somebody's paying something. But if you file for bankruptcy and say, that's it, I'm not paying any more then that $100,000 piece of paper gets wiped out. And the problem becomes, in many instances, it becomes more serious because we have fractional reserve banking that allows banks to lend out nine times as much currency as they have in their vault, as they have assets in their vault. They take your $100,000 note that you say, ha-ha, I'm a rich guy, I got a piece of paper here that says $100,000, you use it for collateral, or the bank buys it, They're storing it in the vault. They loan out $900,000 based on the $100,000 note. In theory, theory, that's what they can do under fractional reserve banking. If that note, the guy who's supposed to sign the note said, yeah, I'll pay back $100,000 plus interest. If he can't make good on the note, that note disappears, and so does the basis for perhaps $900,000 that's been loaned out into into the general population to buy flat screen TVs and whatever. It is a giant pyramid scheme, and there's enormous leverage. It's a brilliant system while you're going up, all right? We put $1 in the bank, they can lend out nine. I mean, it's like finding the money tree. 
But when the system begins to go down, that same leverage that worked for you now works against you. You lose $1 and you wind up causing the loss of nine more out of the economy. And there's the danger in all this. It's part of the reason why the whole system has become irrational. It's, it's not just hard to understand because we're not bright enough to understand it. It's hard to understand because it is irrational. And we've been taught, nevertheless, oh, this makes sense. We'll t- we will treat a debt as if it's an asset. We will issue a currency where the people who issue the currency don't, have to re- don't ever have to redeem their own notes. We'll rely on the public to redeem the Federal Reserve notes rather than the Federal Reserve Bank. The whole thing is crazy. It's irrational. Worked great on the way up, but it's going to work terribly on the way back down. We've got, what have we got, Melody, 30 seconds left? Yes, we do. Is there something you'd like to add? No, I just want to remind the folks to give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. Visit our website at dgscoins.com, dgscoins.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. It's interesting that uh, earlier I wanted to talk about, but we're out of time, is about the um, the Philippines. They're looking to, uh, they're having uh, elections over there. And um, it's just kind of interesting to see all these different politicians uh, coming up, um, you know, in front of the public and uh, beating all kinds of status quo politicians. Uh, well, everybody knows yeah. the system is on the verge of failure. This guy's a little that wacky. There's but... space for, for, well, there's space, space <laughs> for alternative yeah. politicians. There's there's space for crazy politicians. This is the kind of, uh, that's what happens when the world becomes unstable. Yeah. We're out of time. I want to thank you all for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Never seems to be a single penny left for me. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Everybody, welcome to Moon Day, the second day of the week following Sunday. We have the sun. Constantine you know, was a sun worshiper, so naturally that's the first day of the week. Then Moon Day is the second day of the week. And so it goes. I've given you our German heritage and that much of the uh, names that we use for days of the week and other things uh, actually had their origins uh, in German. As a matter of fact, uh, when you look at World War I, uh, we ended up uh, with the Kaiser uh, fighting against, uh, and even with the with the Russian Revolution, with the the uh, majority, the Bolshevik, that's what that means in Russian, the majority revolution, uh, they are still, I mean, the, there's so much, uh, what do you call it, ancestry <laughs> between Great Britain and uh, Europe and the leadership. You know, they marry into each families that... Uh, King George, for example, King George I could not speak a word of English. And the uh, 
English became a little embarrassed. If you'll notice, it's always uh, Prince William, Prince Harry. Well, almost everybody's got a last name, but uh, they uh, have tried to conceal the German ancestry uh, through the Tudors and the Windsors uh, by uh, just changing the name a little bit. Uh, because, well, I guess two wars now uh, fought. And when you look at it, uh, the banks that are behind the wars don't care who wins because they're the single uh, family entity uh, is uh, lending money to both sides. When you uh, look at uh, like World War One, and you see that uh, you have uh, with uh, Great Britain, and you have uh, with the Germans. Uh, they, you know, it's, you've got cousins that are at war with each other, and uh, then uh, it even comes down to oh, uh, it's my mind fades with me ever now and then. King George the Fifth wouldn't allow. Uh, his uh, cousin to come uh, and give him safety, you know, there in England. Uh, so uh, he ended up uh, being beheaded uh, in France. It's And now we look at what's going on today, and you see that with these, uh, with these monarchies, now, you may say, well, Bo, uh, Great Britain isn't a true monarchy. Well, it started out a monarchy, and they now basically are a socialist uh, system. They still have the monarchy. The monarchy still influences and runs a lot of the businesses. When you go back and consider, for example, when Great Britain was a mighty empire and uh, occupied uh, and exploited uh, all of India, just as an example, India at that time uh, included, and there was no Pakistan, uh, there was no Bangladesh. And it, that didn't happen until after Gandhi got the British to leave India, then the Muslim part uh, of India uh, did not want to agree uh, to a single India, which would have been a greater country. Now you look and you see Pakistan has got nuclear weapons as a uh, Muslim country, and India has nuclear weapons as a Hindu country. Almost would have been better, like Democrats and Republicans, if they could have got along together. But we always had the East India Trading Company, which was a British militarized uh, merchant operation. And they used to trade in tea and silks and uh, things like this. But then they found that opium was a uh, much greater, had a much greater profit margin. And so as Europe was basically 
uh, moving in militarily to China, uh, Great Britain saw an advantage there, and so they slipped in and began to uh, force opium upon the Chinese people. The uh, monarch at that time, the dynasty, uh, tried and did their best, but they didn't have machine guns. They didn't have uh, cannons and things like uh, the British or the European military. And so it is interesting that it goes back historically uh, to the, and it was called the Boxer Rebellion. And here you had people supporting the dynasty uh, that were uh, Shaolin uh, trained priests, which meant that they uh, fought with uh, Chinese swords and spears and other basic rudimentary weapons they lost. But it caused such a furor that the East India Trading Company uh, was exposed. And, you know, ever since then, and this is a fact you can look up on your Al Gore Internet to confirm, Great Britain remains the world's uh, largest distributor of opiates on a legal market. See, I uh, gave you the formula here oh, last week or so uh, about how you convert opium into morphine and then how you take it a few steps further into heroin, which is worth a million dollars a pound on the uh, metropolitan streets uh, in America. But this uh, is a, a, a British uh, operation. And when you take a look at Afghanistan and you consider that one of the poorest nations on earth, when you look at the fact that it provides 93% of the world's heroin, Afghanistan should be not uh, a third-world nation, but at least a first-world nation. Karzai, the president, who was our man, Karzai's family goes all the way back to Eisenhower and Kennedy, and so we selected Karzai because he is America's man in Afghanistan. His family is. And when you look at uh, other uh, places, they may not be monarchies, but that have a dictatorship. And you see Muammar Gaddafi, for example, and uh, you see uh, Mubarak uh, from India, you know, for example. And you go through a lot of these. You see that uh, the reflections, you see the shadow of the old European empires. And uh, you see that today, what America does is go through, and America has the military might. America is sort of like uh, the uh, 
the not the good son, but yeah, one edge is the good son to the queen because the queen needs uh, to be able to intimidate uh, nations like Iran. And so uh, when the Shah is in there, British Petroleum is in Iran, uh, allowing America to use its influence militarily uh, to give Britain an advantage in petroleum. And when you uh, look at uh, the Iraq war, the whole cause of the Iraqi war was British petroleum. British petroleum in Kuwait is cross-drilling into Iraq. Saddam Hussein calls April Gillespie, a female ambassador from the United States to Iraq. Saddam calls her to his office and says, I'm having trouble. BP is cross-drilling into my uh, oil reserves. Now, Iraq has probably more uh, reserves in oil than any other country. And Iraq yet has a very tiny access uh, to the sea. Even though they have the Euphrates River, you know, if they're going to send oil, uh, you have this little tiny uh, part of Iraq uh, that is down. Well, now Kuwait uh, operate, has a lot of uh, shore and is right there uh, sharing a border with Iraq. And VP Kuwait has uh, this uh, influence of the queen, so the Kuwaitis aren't doing anything to stop BP from drilling, cross-drilling into Iraq's oil reserves. And so April Gillespie really, and this, this leads to 9-11. You may have wondered why 9-11 why a Saudi Arabian like uh, Osama bin Laden will attack America when we actually, when bin Laden was a Mujahideen, a freedom fighter, helping in Afghanistan, using uh, his daddy's uh, billions of dollars to buy uh, weaponry, for his comrades in the Mujahideen, why, when America was the primary provider of missiles and uh, weapons that made a difference, that allowed Afghanistan to beat the Russians, that was the U.S. Now, why would bin Laden, a guy trained by the U.S., and our you know, someone that we recognized as an ally, why would he attack America? Well, it goes back to Daddy Bush. And you understand that Daddy Bush uh, had uh, a long history. It wasn't that Well, here just uh, uh, last month we were looking at the Bay of Pigs in 1961. And uh, a lot of people, you know, never recognize because 
it isn't uh, brought out in history. Uh, but as a, a military person and as a historian and as someone who uh, had the highest clearances, worked in positions uh, in the office of the Secretary of Defense, Army General Staff, you see and you know these things. In the Kennedy assassination, one of uh, the names that comes up is... Uh, Mr. Bush from the CIA. Now, they're not talking about uh, Minnie-Me. They're talking about his daddy. And you think, well, my gosh, uh, you mean that Daddy Bush uh, was in the CIA? Well, uh, he did become the director of Central Intelligence, in 1976. Now you wonder why. Well, because he had enormous experience and political influence in operations that were economically and politically founded. You see Daddy Bush, you see the CIA, you see America and what we're doing to favor American uh, business interests like the Dole Company in Hawaii, but more uh, later, uh, you see Guatemala and a president by the name of Arbenz. Arbenz was going to nationalize some of the land owned by the United States uh, United Fruit Company. And America sent military to fight the Guatemalan government to actually, just like the mafia, to threaten them and to force them to cave in and just remain a banana republic. And that's and so American pilots flying B twenty six aircraft bombers flew oh, through Mexico to Guatemala, bombed Guatemala City until the president Arben said he didn't have any uh, hope of uh, taking on and defeating uh, America's enforcers like the CIA and special forces. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not proud of it at all. But when the tally sheet is looked at for just Guatemala, America is behind the death of about 40,000, not uh, communists, but about 40,000 people, peasant people, who would have and did uh, strive to fight for uh, just what we're supporting, allegedly, over in the Middle East, people who want to be free. United Fruit Company owned and ran Guatemala. And so uh, what I'm doing is, is leading you 
logically so you understand how the Queen of England uh, ends up uh, with, you know, a, a ring in the nose of the United States dragging us around as uh, her pit bull. And if this is ever going to stop. And so most recently, we end up having uh, Saddam Hussein uh, is just totally hoodwinked by the Bush, Daddy Bush administration. Because April Gillespie, when Saddam Hussein called her into the palace and asked that question, what will America's response be if we cannot diplomatically solve this problem with BP and we have to stop them using military means? And April Glass said, America has no interest in your Arab-to-Arab problems. Well, that was a political, democratic, not, I'm sorry, a Republican administration lie. Because Daddy Bush was waiting. Why? Because BP is trying its best to uh, be at the biggest it can be in oil production. You look at what happened out there in the Gulf of Mexico. Let me ask you something. Has BP paid for this debacle that happened out there? They haven't. And is the United States government uh, all over them? We're not. What happens in Iraq? You've got BP stealing Iraqi oil. So what do we do? We have our ambassador lie to the president or the dictator, however you want to look at Saddam Hussein, and when he attacks, because diplomatically, BP knew we've got Saddam Hussein. If he, we can get him to come across the uh, Kuwaiti border, then the United States will step in for us, and they will strangle Saddam Hussein. And we did more than that. We strangled him, all right. We hung him. We killed him. And we built the world's largest embassy in Iraq. And now BP has access to uh, the world's largest uh, reserves of oil. And so you go to Afghanistan, and right now it is the United States and Great Britain that are the two principal powers. United States, of course, like the good son to the queen, it is primarily our forces. We have 100,000 military in Afghanistan. And one of the poorest nations on earth, 93% of the world's heroin. Now you tell me how this works. And as of today, 6,000 
224 Americans have given their lives. Now, during the period of the Taliban, this is after America helps Afghanistan covertly. We train them. I did it myself. We train them in force multipliers. We provide them the weapons through Osama bin Laden and his money. We train these Afghans so they can defeat a modern field army of Russia. Now, we don't look past our nose. We're just looking to take care of BP and Great Britain's interests in the old uh, East India Trading Company, which is still in existence, only it operates uh, more under uh, current logos today than the East India Trading Company, which... Uh, you know, people recognize this is the organization that tried to overdose China, and they resisted to the point of going to war against America and Europe. So we take a look, and we see 8,400 tons of opiates coming out of Afghanistan. Now, I have a question. Do you ever hear... Anything mentioned about opiates or dope out of Afghanistan? And why, when we left, after the Russians were driven out, and we used the Taliban to keep Afghanistan from dividing back down again to its tribal systems and fiefdoms, and uh, all of a sudden... There is zero, there's no measurable production of OVH in Afghanistan. Well, this is awful for Great Britain. And so we go, and the mission is to get rid of Osama bin Laden, to destroy al-Qaeda. Friends, al-Qaeda is no longer operative in Afghanistan. Osama bin Laden is confirmed dead. What are we still doing there? Because Great Britain has got 8,400 tons of opium. Is this a small amount? This is a huge amount. The Golden Triangle of Burma at its biggest production year had 3,000 tons of opiates. So they have almost three times that coming out of Afghanistan. Could we take our C-130 ships and load them up with uh, uh, the same defoliant that we used in Vietnam and just spray every poppy field in Afghanistan? And that would mean zero production out of 8,400 tons, 93% of the world's Heroin. Well, why don't we do it? And why doesn't anybody? Would you start calling your senators and your your congressmen? Would you start writing to Osama bin Laden? Not Osama, he's dead now. But uh, Barack. And you know, I, I really don't do this on purpose. These are Freudian slips. 
But when you got a president who's got a name that's so close, you know, to Bin Laden and Obama, uh, it, you know, they're both Islamic names, and they get it gets me mixed up. So I apologize to you. But let's see what they say. We got a presidential election coming up, and can you imagine if they had to address that? Our soldiers need to come home. That's the point. All right, I'll see you on the other side of the break. Stay with American Voice Radio. This is Freedom Call. internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC sees in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800 581 8906. Order today. 
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. with you and uh, here we are second day of the week but first day of uh, of business it's moon day and uh, you know we have the Mississippi River just uh, in historic high stage it is uh, it is flooding uh, major parts all the way from Memphis uh, to New Orleans and the Army Corps of Engineers has actually been blowing up some of the levees to draw pressure off of the Mississippi to keep it from rising uh, on these towns and cities that would be completely destroyed. And rather, what they're doing is destroying uh, the agricultural lands like in Missouri. They're saving the cities in Illinois. They're destroying the farm land in Missouri. And uh, when you look at lives versus, uh, uh, well, people need food. (laughs) It's kind of interesting, but uh, they say, these experts, that uh, Mississippi is uh, cresting. It's approaching its high state, uh, but that is not going to recede probably down to its normal banks until June. Uh, so people are going to deal. You can see them uh, all the way down the river, for example, where normally it's a half a mile across, is three miles across. And they haven't had uh, just these huge uh, flooding conditions since uh, they call it the Great Flood of 1937. And so these are historic uh, floodings. When you look at the earth and what is happening, uh, you have major earthquakes. I mean, you look at Japan and you saw there in a little capsule uh, you know, how to pound... Uh, a major industrial nation in just uh, three easy steps. Earthquake, boom. Tsunami, and of course, uh, the meltdown of a nuclear reactor. We look at uh, the United States and see how uh, vulnerable we are in other countries 
and how quickly and how deadly uh, this whole thing uh, can become. And then all of a sudden, we have more tornadoes. We have more than 200. Never happened before that we have any kind of written history of more than 200 uh, cyclone tornadoes touch down and just devastate and killing. We had more than 300 people killed. And you say, wow, and then here now, flooding. And uh, what else uh, could it be? Now, again, I, I only bring this up. And I'm going to use, uh, try to always use too many examples, but I want you to understand that this is not uh, just uh, comic book stuff. I'm going to give you one illustration, and then I'll make my point. The one illustration that is irrefutable is Operation Lack, large area coverage. At the test grounds there in Salt Lake City, Utah, the U.S. Army, which is responsible for biological, chemical warfare, they are testing whether or not a spraying of a biological or a chemical agent uh, could uh, be an effective weapon by the enemy, and at what altitudes and in what amounts. So, one, you have to uh, actually have uh, something like they used with TWA 800. Uh, they uh, used uh, New Jersey, Newark, and uh, JFK there in New York City. They used that air traffic, blended in with civilian traffic, blended in with Air Force-friendly traffic, blended in with uh, the U.S. Army firing a missile that was going to be final proof that the Aegis uh, ship anti-missile system uh, was confirmed. And so what happens? Uh, The worst. The missile, the Aegis missile, loses its guidance momentarily. But the problem is, when it comes back online, the missile is trained that it's been pursuing a missile that was threatening a U.S. warship, and so it is trained to acquire the nearest target. Well, the nearest target was TWA-800, going through 15,000 feet. And remember, uh, you know, they tried, the military tried to claim everything under the sun, that this was uh, a spark in the fuel, uh, it was too hot, you know, this is so much garbage. You look at the pieces of wreckage recovered. Here is this red rocket fuel, and it went right through the 747 and uh, broke away the entire uh, part of the fuselage and tail separated. We watched that. 
at 15,000 feet, it is broken through by this uh, missile that uh, was fired, is the ages, and it was just a failed test. But the United States cannot admit to that. So this Operation Lack, you have to have an actual environment. So what did the Dugway Proving Ground, what did they use? They used the 40 Four zero, the 40 states east of the Rocky Mountains. And what did they do? They loaded up United States Air Force large, high-flying aircraft with cadmium sulfide because you have to have something that you can measure. Well, cadmium sulfide in concentration will kill you. It is toxic to human beings. So what is cadmium sulfide? It is a, it's, it's like putting a measurement in a solution. Now you can measure the overall effect. So you've got the 40 states east of the Rocky Mountains, and you've got these uh, so-called, well, the these chemical trails, and they are illegally, I mean, this is against the law, friends, to for the military to use the American public as a, as a rat or a rabbit. But that's exactly what they did. It is irrefutable. And they could measure, then, the effect of the cadmium sulfide on American populations in how, all of a sudden, uh, this trace of respiratory diseases pops up. You ever wonder about, wow, bird flu, oh, we're going to have a lot. What are they doing to cause this kind of reaction? What are they testing? What uh, part of the United States or what part of the population? You remember how they took black people, black men, they took them down to Tuskegee? They didn't, I'm not talking about the ones they trained into pilots in World War II. They took them down there and they gave them syphilis on purpose so they could test them. And I just gave you a modern example which all of a sudden is uh, now uh, in everybody's face to treat dwarfism in children, they're using uh, human growth hormone. Well, there's nothing wrong with uh, treating dwarfism with human growth hormone because it's been proven it will restore uh, what the the body, the organism with the lack of uh, growth hormone, the HGH will restore it. They become normal people and develop normally. Well, where do you get human growth hormone? Until fairly recently, it was not synthesized. A human growth hormone is uh, not a simple compound. 
it has like 254 uh, separate uh, things, elements, to get human growth hormone. So uh, Pfizer and a lot of these other laboratories, that this is, they make billions of dollars. This is all they do. They did everything knowing how important HGH was becoming. They did everything to synthesize it, to man-make it. And they came close. They came within one of these elements of actually having human growth hormone. But without the final element, it, it, didn't, it didn't work. And so, uh, where did they get the human growth hormone? This is a test question. You listen to this program, you can answer this question. And if you can answer this question, then all of a sudden you understand. Maybe that, and I'm going to make my point here, <laughs> that I started out in the first half of the program. What is going on? Why do we have more tornadoes than ever before? Why do we have uh, epic, historic flooding and these other things that are occurring, not just here in the United States, but around the world? And I'll make that point. Well, they were getting the human growth hormone from dead Africans. Now, why would they go to Africa? Why wouldn't they use dead Mexicans? Why wouldn't they use dead people from India? If there's, if there's something about, uh, I mean, why didn't they use dead uh, black uh, Americans? Because the world, just ride with me on this, will you? The World Health Organization. A guy named MacArthur. The reason I'm giving you this stuff is because this comes out of my brain, not out of notes and paperwork I have. But I live this stuff. This was back in the 70s. What happened is the Army, again, the Army has responsibility for biological chemical warfare. The Army was in need to beat the Russians in the development of a bug, a Satan bug, that would defeat the immune system in a human being so it would cause mass casualties, either an army, a city, a, a society of people. And... How do you test this? Just like Operation Lack with cadmium sulfide. So the World Health Organ, first of all, you've got MacArthur. MacArthur goes before the United States Appropriations Committee. He makes his case for the development of uh, what we know now as an AIDS to, to end up with HIV. Now, once the program is approved, then it goes black, so you can't track it unless you've got some special contacts within the Congress. 
because they have some. They've got somewhere. You got to have paperwork on what they're doing. Well, they make uh, these contracts. Either they're doing the bug work at Langley, or they've got it contracted out with one of these uh, pharmaceutical labs. They're creating, you know, this thing that is terribly dangerous. Now, the WHO, World Health Organization, goes over to Africa, and they inoculate mass numbers of people against hepatitis. Unfortunately, now this is a good thing if they were to inoculate them against hepatitis, but what happened? All of a sudden, you have this new, strange disease. The CIA, actually, when I had these clearances, the CIA report on, quote, sub-Sahara Africa. See, that doesn't mean northern Africa, where all this crap's going on uh, with Gaddafi and one thing and the other. Sub-Sahara Africa, black Africa, would be denuded if there wasn't some way to stop this new development. They said it came from green monkeys. And then all of a sudden we see this uh, strange disease pop up in San Francisco and in New York amongst the homosexual uh, societies there. Well, this is the proving ground. It's like lack. It's like uh, basically calling and sending the military, sending black Americans uh, to Tuskegee where they're given syphilis. They don't know what's happening. I mean, the CIA's done a number of these weird things. They've, have they tested people that didn't know about it uh, with uh, you know, some of these chemicals? Yes, they have. And so when you look at human growth hormone, they are using dead Africans because World Health Organization administers this HI, you know, immune deficiency AIDS. They say that it is they're giving them uh, immunity or shots against hepatitis. But instead, all of a sudden, everybody turns up with AIDS. Now, these people, you have a population that the chemical industries capitalize on. The chemical industries are trying to synthesize uh, human growth hormone, but it, they can't do it. So while they're now, they have done it. But all that development period, do you think there is some economic link, how much did it cost to buy dead African human growth hormone that was being packaged beautifully by pharmaceutical companies here in America, but how many dead Africans did it take to get where you could, uh, on a dwarf child, give them uh, probably, uh, you know, uh, who knows, a tenth of a cc uh, twice a day. Now, it's wonderful 
because they found that it also was effective against aging. But it cost thousands and thousands of dollars to be able uh, to, you can see, maybe it'd take a 10 or maybe a 100, I don't know, dead Africans to extract out of the pituitary gland the human growth hormone, but uh, they had an excellent population. Well, is this humanity? And so when we go back and we look at the queen, we look at Great Britain and the, and the overt overdosing, forcing opiates onto uh, people like China that results in the Boxer Rebellion. And you see that things, isn't it interesting? I just saw an old comrade of mine uh, who may not have long to live. But what he kept telling me was something that uh, in his many hours now of uh, solace and his focus and prayers and concentration, what he kept, the message he had for me was, Bo, you know, everything is different, but everything is the same. Do you understand? Everything is different now but yet everything is the same. And, you know, I did get it. It is different, but it's the same. We are still being manipulated. I don't know how many dead Africans it took to give a, a vial of a human growth hormone to cure a dwarf child. I know that it was... Very, very expensive. And now that they have it synthesized, it's still, it's about uh, three, four hundred dollars uh, for a regular little vial uh, like you'd use for diabetes and that kind of stuff. Injectables, that's what this human growth hormone is pure form, is injectables. And now they got it synthesized. They can now do it better through chemistry. And so that this, it is dropped from thousands of dollars a vial to hundreds of dollars a vial. Well, I mean, we are, so we are still this industry, like bombing our bins in Guatemala City uh, for the United Fruit Company. Well, we are for 8,400 tons of opiates in Afghanistan. This is wrong. Because it's cost 6,024 American lives and our best young men and women. And we go into, and you know, many me Bush, it should not be an acceptable excuse. But many me Bush justifies this war in Iraq and says he's sorry because there weren't any weapons of mass destruction. And because it turns out Saddam Hussein, uh, unlike what Bush said, was not responsible for 9-11. And so you say, oh, isn't that wonderful? Oh, geez, but you mean to tell me there's 4,000 Americans dead in Iraq because of a mistake? And, and what, how have we corrected it? We've got the world's biggest embassy. 
we now burnish petroleum, and is it making the gasoline cheaper for us here in America? It certainly isn't. So do you see my old comrade who was right? Everything is different now, but it is the same. And so what I am saying is it is not fair to continue who shouldn't be over there giving uh, HIV to sub-Saharan Africans so that you've got a great harvest of black uh, Africans which, you know, people say, oh, Jesus, that's too bad. The green monkey has come out with this AIDS thing so they can extract human growth hormone, and uh, and it becomes, uh, you know, a very, like, open-heart surgery. Everybody's using a human growth hormone uh, to make up these deficiencies. It's not right. It's not right for America to be over in Afghanistan right now where they got 8,400 tons, serving 93% of the world's heroin needs. It's not right when we've got 6,027 of our best young men and women. They're not, they don't know that they uh, are over there protecting opium trails and stuff like this. All right, guys. I don't mean to bombard you too much, but this is our country, and it's only when we stand up with stones and we have to throw those stones at our Congress, we get things done. But we do get things done when we do. So stay with American Voice Radio, please. I'll see you tomorrow. America's best 100 men We'll test today, but only three when the Green Beret trained to live off nature's land, trained in combat hand to hand, men who fight by night and day. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, Transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? 
Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com.
And welcome to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. Why? Because I'll, I'll tell you why. Because um, <clears throat> they don't like it when people like me and you that are listening to this sit up and take notice to the lies and BS that they feed us constantly and tell us that that is the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And we take notice of that here. Today is Monday, May 9th. 2016 is the 3 o'clock hour out here on the left coast, despite what my wall clock says, which somehow has gotten 40 minutes behind. I need to investigate that and stop looking at it instead of my computer clock. Um, It's really weird looking at that and seeing that. But anyway, I digress. It's the 3 o'clock hour out here on the left coast, and this is a live call-in show. If you'd like to call in, it's real simple. The number is 1-800-932-1980, or you may instant message via Yahoo Instant Messenger ID KC7AQK. That comes directly to your host. Don't need to go through the station at all for that. Um, Calling in is not mandatory. Thinking, however, is we, of course, do give an exemption to those members of Media Matters and the Southern Poverty Law Center, as well as those government agents that are paid to listen to this show, because after all, if we required them to think, that would create a hostile work environment. We don't want to be responsible for that. Yes, you may read into that statement whatever you think I mean by it, and you'd probably be right. Okay, as is our want, we like to open this show with the wisdom of the ages, otherwise known as the dead white guy quote. I freed a thousand slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were slaves, end quote. Ha ha! I fooled you, ladies and gentlemen. It's, well, dead, yes, but not white and not a guy. It's a dead black gal quote. Yes, One of the original members of the Republican Party, Harriet Tubman, said that. And when I read that, and especially in light of today's subject matter, as you will find out as the show unfolds, I um, was going like, it sounds an awful lot like what I keep saying all the time, over and over again. So, spot on there. Okay. We have 21 pages in our show newsletter, your calls, instant messages, and whatever else happens to come across the transom, and we will get to as much of it as we can right after this little disclaimer. Warning, this show may be hazardous to your paradigms if you are a whiny, crying, liberal, pinko, commie bedwetter, an inept, overpaid bureaucrat, or are still mad over Reagan's tax cut. Should you fit into any one of the above categories, immediately have your friends tie you down for some truth therapy. Continue this therapy until you can dismiss Dismiss your delusions and can deal with reality. If you cannot handle 100% pure, unadulterated truth, this radio show will not be held responsible for your predictable discomfort. Get over it. Get over it. I'm 
Remember, my friends, my job is very simple. It is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. After all, I'm no longer interested in awakening the masses. I just had a neat little conversation here this last weekend with a gentleman who was like, and what is it that you do? Well, I said, I do political commentary. Oh, really? What kind of political commentary? And I said, well, of a conservative libertarian bent. Oh, really? He says, well, we end up in a fairly extensive, deep conversation, and he is exactly like what I say here. When I say I'm no longer interested in awakening the masses, because the masses have made it clear that they are not interested. Instead, I am here to connect, like I did this past weekend, with like minds and awaken those that want to learn. So if you're here, that is, if you're not one of those government agents paid to listen to this show, or someone from Media Matters or the Southern Poverty Law Center that monitor this show, and we've proven all three of those aforementioned groups have often monitored this show to twist and distort what's said here until it no longer recognizes reality uh, to their own purposes. Well, anyway... If you're here and not one of those three aforementioned groups, well, you're here because you want to be awakened or want to figure out how to help awaken your fellow man, which is I give you plenty of fodder to help you do it, do that if you want. So, you know, my friends, it's very simple. It's okay. And I give you absolute permission. It is okay if you disagree with me. After all, I can't force you to be right. But what I can do is help you ask better questions. Ask those questions that awaken the mind and set brush fires in people's minds like Samuel Adams talked about. But how do you do this? Well, the first step and I don't say this often enough, some people say I say it too often, but really I don't say it often enough, is you need to support this network and this show. You see, you have a choice. You can take the blue pill, you can change the station, you can fail to support this show and this network, and the end result, well, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe, and this show in the network ceases to exist. You know, tra-la-la, life is good, or you take the red pill. You support this show and this network, and I continue to show you just how deep that rabbit hole goes. I'm only offering you the truth, but the truth does not come free. You have to fight for it, my friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, first up on the hit parade, just to prove that there are at least two good judges on the federal bench out there, maybe three, uh, we have a story here, rail, oh, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, that's not this, that's after this, I apologize, uh, it's reset, Economic news. Let's start out with economic news, shall we? This is news that unless you have your hand steady and hard on the pulse of what's going on out there, you won't get this from the lamestream media. 
In fact, you won't even really get this from many so-called conservative media outlets because, well, it's dry, it's technical, it's, it's got lots of charts and graphs and, and big, big concepts and such. It's difficult to understand. That doesn't make your host afraid to share it with you because it's not difficult. It's not difficult. Not hard to understand. Just understand a few simple little concepts called leading indicators. When you watch the leading indicators, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a ship out on the sea. And all of a sudden it sees this bright flashing light on the horizon. At first that bright flashing light is really dim, but it's it's there. It's flashing on the horizon. And as they move closer to it, it gets brighter and brighter until finally it is very clearly easy to tell that it's a flashing light because of a dang lighthouse that's going off warning them that they're approaching the shore or a dangerous shoal or or some other navigation hazard. Well, that's what leading in indicators are like, my friends. You see them buzzing on the horizon, really dim, and as you get closer and closer in time and, and events, it gets brighter and brighter to where finally the lamestream media starts to take notice of it. But by that time, it's like being halfway down a train tunnel with a train coming from the other end, you know, and where are you, now where are you going to go? Because you're halfway down the tunnel, right? Well, speaking of trains, rail traffic depression, mm-hmm, 292 Union Pacific engines are sitting in the Arizona desert right now doing nothing. Yep. We continue to get more evidence that the U.S. economy has entered into a major downturn just last week. We found out about how the U.S. GDP growth numbers have been declining for three quarters in a row, my friends. This is not an accident. Three quarters in a row and how corporate defaults have surged to their highest level since the last financial crisis. And now we're getting some very depressing numbers from the rail industry. As you will see, as I'm going to try and illustrate for you, U.S. rail traffic has, was down more than 11% from a year ago in April. That, my friends, may not sound like a lot, but it is an absolutely catastrophic number. And the U.S. rail industry is feeling an enormous amount of pain right now. And also tells us that the real economy is really slowing down because less stuff is being shipped by rail all over the nation. One of the economic commentators that is out there that's really, really good, is his name is Wolf Richter, and he runs WolfStreet.com, okay? And he has a really sharp eye for what's really going on in the economy and in the financial world. And I keep bringing you stuff from him, my friends, and this is partly because of him, because, well... What can I say? He has that sharp eye for what's really going on. And if you've not checked out his site, like I said, wolfstreet.com. His name's Wolf Richter, so he's just doing a play on his name. Um, check it out. 
I encourage you to do so. Well, he posted a couple weeks ago a very alarming article on what is happening to our rail industry. And the kind of numbers that we have been seeing recently are the kind of numbers that we would expect if an economic depression was starting. Here is an excerpt from that article. He said, Total U.S. rail traffic in April plunged 11.8% from a year ago, the Association of American Railroads reported. Carloads of bulk commodities such as coal, oil, grains, and chemicals plummeted 16.1% to 944,339 units. The coal industry is in terrible conditions and cannot compete with U.S. natural gas at current prices. Coal-fired plants are being retired. Demand for steam coal is plunging. Major U.S. coal miners, even the largest one, are now bankrupt. So in April, carloads of coal plummeted 40% from the already beaten down levels a year ago. And because rail traffic is down so dramatically, many operators have large number of engines that are just sitting around collecting dust. Now, in his article, Wolf Richter shared photographs from Google Earth that show some of those 292 Union Pacific engines that are sitting in the middle of the Arizona desert doing absolutely nothing. Now we have an instant message. Let's see what we got here. Um, Freight... Train freight down also means trucking freight will be down as over-the-road trucking is mostly regional from train hubs. Yes, I was just getting to that, and I was getting to someone else, something else, too, the Baltic Dry Index. So let me get to it. So I'm getting to it. So let me get to it. Here we go. So back to these 292 engines that Google Earth is showing right now, and it costs a lot of money, my friends. It costs a lot of money for these engines to just sit there doing nothing. They are expensive pieces of equipment, my friends. And when they just sit there, not pulling trains, well, they become overcapacity. And that's when they get very expensive. Then there's the engineers and other personnel who suddenly become unproductive. And some of them have already been laid off or they're in the process of getting laid off. And what's that do for the economy? Now, all over the world, Similar numbers are coming in. For example, as I was said, I was going to talk about the Baltic Dry Index. It fell more than 30 points earlier this month after falling 21 points the, fall, the previous month. Now, global trade is really, really slowing down during the early portion of 2016. And what this means on a practical level is that a lot less stuff is being bought sold, and shipped around the planet. Now, again, as I said, I was going to get to Freightliner and other trucking uh, makers uh, of trucks, you know, tractors, and, and those making the trailers to be pulled behind them are laying off people in record numbers. Cat, uh, who makes big, uh, the big diesel engines, Caterpillar, makes the big diesel engines. They're slowing down production and closing down assembly lines, etc. So if they're not making engines and Freightliner is not making the tractors that the engines go into and the, the companies that make the, the trailers aren't making the trailers, <laughs> well, do I really need to add all this up for you? 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, one last thing here. Velocity of money. This is, this is something I don't talk about a lot, my friends, but you need to pay attention to it. The velocity of money. See, when an economy is healthy, people feel pretty good about things, and money tends to circulate fairly rapidly. For example, I may buy something from you, then you may buy something from someone else, etc., etc. But when times get tough, people tend to hold on to their money more tightly. And that is why the velocity of money goes down when recessions hit. You can see the velocity of money has been declining during every single recession in the post-World War II era. Now, there was a wonderful chart that came with this article that showed exactly how the velocity of money slows down during, before and during every depression, okay? And during the last recession... The velocity of money declined precipitously, and that makes perfect sense. But then a funny thing happened. There was a slight bump up once the recession was over, but then it turned down again and has been kept going down ever since. In fact, the velocity of money has now dropped to an all-time low. The velocity of the M2 number, as it's called here, just recently dipped below 1.5. For the first time ever. It's never been that low, my friends. Now, this is not a sign of an economic recovery, as we keep being told by our illustrious leaders back in the District of Criminals. What this does tell us is that our economy is very, very sick. And we can see evidence of this sickness all around us. For example, the, in Los Angeles, the L.A. Times actually reported that homelessness in L.A. has increased by 11% just last year. And this marked the fourth year in a row that homelessness in the city has increased. And it rose 11% in the city of L.A. and 5% in the county last year, despite an intensive federal push that slashed the county ranks of homeless veterans by nearly a third according to a report released earlier this month. The increase marks the fourth consecutive year of rising homelessness in L.A. as local officials struggle to identify funding for billion-dollar plans they approved to solve the nation's most intractable homeless problem. Let us also not forget that about half the country is basically flat broke at this point. Just recently, the Federal Reserve found that 47% of all Americans could not pay an unexpected $400 emergency room bill without selling something or borrowing the money from somewhere. Now, with numbers like this being reported, how in the world can anyone possibly claim the U.S. economy is in good shape? It boggles the mind. And yet there are people out there right now that would actually have you believe that everything is just Fine. And the current resident of the White House is one of them. With each passing month, the real economy is getting even worse. We may not have slipped into a full-blown economic depression just yet, but it's coming. So for now, let us be thankful for whatever remains of our debt-fueled <clears throat> prosperity 
because we don't deserve the massively inflated standard of living that we have been enjoying. We have been consuming far more than we produce for decades, but it won't last for much longer. And when those days are gone for good, we will mourn them bitterly. Mark my words, my friends. This is another one of those things where eventually I'm going to come back and say, see, I told you so. And I hate saying that because I keep saying it far too often about far too many depressing things where I say, I told you, I told you, and there it is, but people wouldn't listen. Yep. Okay, uh, we got enough time to get started. Uh, not enough time to finish, but enough time to get started. A simple chart was recently published, my friends. The simple chart absolutely destroys the liberal <clears throat> climate change scam. Yep, analytical economists. Report predictions from climate change alarmists go awry so often that at this rate, the only way they'll be able to save themselves from embarrassment is if they make their doomsday predictions so far out in the future that they'll be dead before we can check them on it. Now, I wish I could show you the chart, but this is radio. I can't show you the chart. Instead, what I will do is I'm going to list the top 10 biggest climate alarmist predictions that have gone spectacularly wrong. Now, long-term listeners of this show are going to go, you've talked about these things, Roy. I recognize them. Well, yeah, I have. But it's time for all those new listeners out there to start hearing about this because, well, you probably haven't heard about it if you're a new listener, someone who's been listening less than a, a half a year or so. So let's see how many of them we can get through before the music starts playing. Number one, biologist Paul Ehrlichman predicted in the 1970s that, quote, population will inevitably and completely outstrip whatever small increases in food supplies we make, end quote, and that, quote, the death rate will increase until at least 100 to 200 million people per year will be starving to death during the next 10 years, end quote. This was in the 70s. Now, my friends, did you see 100 to 200 million people starving to death per year during the 70s and 80s? Did you? No, I didn't think so. Neither did I. Number two, in January 1970, Life magazine reported, quote, Scientists have solid experimental and theoretical evidence to support the following predictions. In a decade, urban dwellers will have to wear gas masks to survive air pollution. By 1985, air pollution will have reduced the amount of sunlight reaching the Earth by one half, end quote. That was January 1970. Did it happen? Nope. Has it happened since 1985? Nope. Number three. In January 2006, Al Gore predicted that we had 10 years left before the planet turned into a total frying pan, end quote. Well, it's been now more than 10 years. Uh, 
I'm looking outside. I don't see a total frying pan out there. Do you? Hmm? Okay, I think we can do at least one more. Number four. No, I guess we can't do one more. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right. Delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
Welcome back to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I am your host, Amroy Ben Shadler, and we have been going through the top ten worst climate alarmist change predictions that have gone absolutely wrong and awry. Uh, for many of you who are longtime listeners of this show, all ten of these, or most of the ten, you've heard before, but you may not have been a long-term listener, so I'm going over it. And why? Because, well, there's this wonderful chart that's out there that just absolutely destroys the liberal climate change scam, and the chart shows um, uh, multiple changes, drastic, multiple changes of the climate for hundreds of years, not just since the invention of the internal combustion engine. So uh, I can't show you the chart, obviously, um, but I can tell you these top 10 predictions to show you just how wrong these chicken little uh, folks are. And we were at number four. In 2008, a segment aired on ABC News that predicted, ABC News predicted in 2008 that New York City would be underwater by June of last year. We're approaching June of this year, my friends. Is New York City underwater and I didn't hear about it? If it is, could you please let me know? Because maybe I just haven't been paying close enough attention. After all, I don't own a TV set and I haven't had a TV set in my home. And, oh God, I I can't even tell you how many years. But it's been a long, long time since I've watched a TV set, let alone had one in the house, okay? Um, so maybe I might have missed it. Uh, I don't think I have, though. I think that's news that would have gotten to me even without a TV set. Number seven, or number five, excuse me, in 1970, that's where I got the seven, ecologist, <laughs> ecologist Kenneth E.F. Watt predicted that, quote, if present trends continue, the world will be about four degrees colder for the global mean temperature in 1990, but 11 degrees colder by the year 2000. This is about twice what it would take to put us in an ice age, end quote. You remember that ice age? I seem to have missed it, my friends. Uh, maybe again, I don't own a TV set, and I didn't see it. So uh, if you can uh, please point me where that Ice Age was and how I missed it, I'd really appreciate it. Number six in 2008, Al Gore predicted that there was a 75% chance that the entire North Polar ice cap would be completely melted within five to seven years. Well, he at least hedged that prediction by giving himself a 75% certainty. Yeah, we now know he was 100% wrong. Not only did it not melt, it got bigger and thicker and stronger every single year. But I digress. Number seven, on May 13, 2014, France's foreign minister said that we have only 500 days to stop 
climate chaos. And the recent Paris Climate Summit summit met 565 days after his remark. Nothing changed. Number eight, in 2009, National Aeronautics and Space Administration Goddard Space Flight Center head James Wasson warned that Obama had only four years left to save the Earth. 2009, 10, 11, 12, that means by uh, 2013. He had only until 2013. Um, Excuse me. Isn't this 2016? Uh, I think we're a little beyond the four years to save the Earth. Does the Earth still need saving, James Watson? Can you please answer? Hello, paging James Watson. Paging James Watson, does the Earth still need saving? Or are we beyond the four years and there's nothing left to save? Hmm. Number nine, on the first Earth Day, Its sponsor warned that, quote, in 25 years, somewhere between 75 and 80 percent of all the species of living animals will be extinct, end quote. Okay, again, I don't have a TV in the house. Maybe I missed it. Did you see 75 to 80 percent of all the species of living animals on Earth being extinct? Um, I, I, I missed that somehow. And finally, number 10, on another Earth Day prediction from Kenneth Watt, quote, at the present rate of nitrogen buildup, it's only a matter of time before light will be filtered out of the atmosphere and none of our land will be usable, end quote. Hmm. Again, as I said, I don't have a TV set in my house, so maybe I might have missed that, uh, Could someone please point that out to me, how that happened? Uh, I don't think it happened. Um, uh, At least I I have not seen it. And I take long bike rides, my friends, for my health. Uh, It does help a lot. And I ride through some really uh, large tracts of very fertile and verdant uh, farmland here in the Mid-Willamette Valley in Oregon. Um, And every single year for the past five years I've been doing this, they just get bigger and greener and and grow more and more and more. So uh, I, I don't know. What can I say? Now, my friends, with this list of 10, I'm not just nitpicking the absurd predictions made by No. A study in the Journal of Nature Climate Change reviewed 117 climate predictions and found that 97.4% of them never materialized. So is it even fair to call it climate science at this point? Think about that. Think about that. Okay, my friends, as if I needed it, here is another reason why I would never use an Apple product. James Pinkstone writes, Apple stole my music. No, seriously, they stole it. Amber, the software is functioning as intended. James, wait, 
it's supposed to delete my personal files from my internal hard drive without asking my permission? Yes, she replied. Hmm. James says, I just explained to Amber that 122 gigabytes of music file were missing from his laptop, and he had already visited the online forum, and they were no help, although several people had described problems similar to his, and they were all dismissed by condescending gurus who simply said that we had mislocated their files and he had the free drive space to prove that wasn't the case, or that he must have accidentally deleted the files themselves. They hadn't. Amber, the customer service person from Apple, said that should blow up these dismissive solutions offered online because Apple employees don't officially use their official forums. Evidently, that honor is reserved for lost, frustrated people and know-it-alls who would rather believe that we are incompetent or lying than face the ugly truth that Apple Inc. has vastly overstepped its boundaries. What the tech lady from Apple, Amber, explained exactly is what the James feared. Through the Apple Music subscription, which he had, Apple deletes files from users' computers, and when James signed up for Apple Music iTunes, evaluated his massive collection of MP3s and WAV files, it scanned Apple's database for what it considered matches, then removed the original files from his internal hard drive. Removed them. Deleted them. If Apple Music saw a file it didn't recognize, which came up often since he's a freelance composer and has many music files that he created himself, it would then download it to Apple's database, delete it from his hard drive, and serve it back to him when he wanted to listen, just like it would with his other music files that it had deleted. This led to four immediate problems as James saw it. One, if Apple serves him his music, that means that when he doesn't have Wi-Fi access, he can't listen to it. And when he says, my music, he doesn't mean the music that over 20 years, since before iTunes existed, he painstakingly imported from thousands of CDs and saved to his music his computer's internal hard drive, he also means original music that he had recorded and saved his computer. Apple and Wi-Fi access now decided if I can hear it when and where and, and how. Two, if Apple's considers a match, often isn't. That rare, he gives an example, that rare early version of Fontaine, Fountains of Wayne's all do the driving, and it's labeled as such. Well, it still has the same label, but it was instead replaced by the later released, more widely available version of the song. The piano demo of Sister Jack that he downloaded directly from Spoon's website over 10 years ago was replaced with the alternate, more common demo version of the song. So what this means then is that Apple is engineering a future in which rare or varying mixes and versions of songs won't exist unless Apple decides they do. Said alternate versions will be replaced by the most mainstream version, despite their original, at one time correct titles, labels, and file contents. Which leads to number three. 
Although James could click the little cloud icon next to each song and, quote, get it back, end quote, from Apple, their servers aren't fast enough to make that an easy task. It would only take around 30 hours to get his music back, and even then leads to number four. Should James choose to reclaim the songs via download, the files he would get back would not necessarily be the same as original files. He writes that as a freelance composer, he saves WAV files of his own compositions rather than MP3s, and WAV files have about 10 times the number of samples of low bitrate MP3s, so they just sound better. Well, since Apple Music doesn't support WAV files, and they stole his compositions and stored them on their servers, they also converted them to MP3s. So not only did he not get to keep, does he not need to only keep paying Apple Music just to access his own files, but he has to hear an inferior version of each recording instead of the one he created. So he comes to the conclusion that there are more issues to this than this. Apple has faced widespread complaints regarding Apple Music displaying incorrect album art, mangling file information, and the Apple geniuses being ill-informed on the subject and thus unable to offer working solutions. So, if you're an Apple user out there and you're wondering why Apple hasn't yet been sued, well, it's because the iTunes terms of use vaguely warn of this issue, then later indemnify Apple and preclude any litigation from users who've been boned. Here's what they have to say. iCloud Music Library is turned on automatically when you set up your Apple Music subscription. When your Apple Music subscription term ends, you will lose any access to any songs stored on your iCloud Music Library. Uh-huh. Here's the terms of use, my friends. Listen to this language here. It's really simple to understand if you just listen to it. The abridged version of it, because I just want to get to the meat and potatoes here. Quote, you, are, you expressly agree that your use of or inability to use the Apple Music service is at your own sole risk. The Apple Music service and all products and services delivered to you through the Apple Music service are, except as expressly stated by Apple, provided as is and as available for your use without warranties of any kind, either express or implied. It then goes on with a long disclaimer, my friends, about how there's nobody from directors, officers, employees, affiliates, agents, contractors, licensors, etc., 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 will be liable for any direct, indirect, um, incidental, punitive, special, etc., etc., damages. On and on, my friends. And that there's not going to be any... Um, a warranty given uh, through any type of errors or omissions in any content or any loss or damage, etc., etc. Yeah. <clears throat> in other words, 
My friends, you're screwed. <clears throat> it's as simple as that. Well, James writes that he recovered his original music files only because he was using a backup that he service that he had made weeks earlier. And since many people don't back up as often as they should, though this isn't always an option for them. Now, the tech lady, Amber, relayed to him that she's had to suffer through many calls from people who canceled their Apple Music subscription after the free three-month trial only discovered that all their own music files had been deleted and there was no way to get them back. So, while his files were temporarily restored, but the only way to prevent that from happening over and over again, according to Amber, was to cancel a subscription to Apple Music, which she admits that she herself doesn't use due to the listed reasons that I partially went through with you there a few moments ago. And to make sure that her iCloud settings do not include any storing or any music backups, well, on iCloud. So... Here's the warning, my friends. Hang on to your media. See, one day, if this keeps up, if this trend keeps up, my friends, one day you won't be able to buy a movie. You'll buy the right to watch a movie, and that movie will be served to you. And if the company's serving the muse, movie don't want you to see it, or they want to change something. You know, like deleting the fact that Han Solo shot first. Well, they'll have the power to do so. They can alter history and they can make you keep a pain for things that you formerly could have bought. Information will be a utility rather than a possession. Even information that you yourself have created will require unending, reoccurring payments just to access. So, my friends, is it any wonder why once a month I go into a fairly deep disclaimer about an Orwellian society? Yeah, yeah. That's this part of it, my friends. This is the Orwellian paranoia factor, if you will. You see, there was a time when we would never have dreamed that content holders like Apple would also reach into your computer and take what you already owned. See, you know, if the movie Taxi Driver, for example, is on Netflix... Netflix doesn't come to your house and steal your Taxi Driver DVD if you decide to watch Taxi Driver on Netflix. But this is where we're headed. And when it comes to music, Apple is already there doing it right now, my friends. This is audacious. This is egregious. This is crazy. That's all. That's what they are. You know? Now, the customer service rep, Amber, from Apple, she said that she actually asked James how he wanted to move forward. In other words, putting the onus of a solution back on James. James understands why now. She's just as powerless as he is. 
Everyone that's ever been exposed to this, and my friends, while I have never been personally exposed to it, I have run into far too many people who have come to me and said, is there anything we can do to Apple about this? And I read the terms of service to them, and I say, did you read this? Well, no, I didn't read that. Well, (laughs) you didn't read it, but you hit the accept button as if you had. And, well, we'd love for Apple to face a public backlash and financial ramifications for having taken advantage of its customers in such a brazen and unethical way, but Apple seems beyond reproach at this point, and it took three representatives before James could even speak to someone who comprehended what he was saying, and even then... Amber admitted to Apple's shady practice, and she was able to offer no solution besides don't use the product. So, my friends, when our data is a full-blown utility, however, just don't use the product will cease to be an option. And at that point, Apple will be in control, bringing their iconic 1984 commercial that they ran full circle in a tragic and oppressive irony, my friends. Very, very big irony. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Um, slavery, my friends. Yes, we have enough time to get started here. Let's talk about another form of slavery. I just talked to you about slavery of information by Apple, enslaving you. Let's talk about another type of slavery, the draft. Ron Paul writes, saying, drafting women means equality in slavery. You see, last month, The House Armed Services Committee approved an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act requiring women to register with Selective Service. This means that if Congress ever brings back the draft, women will be forcibly sent to war. The amendment is a response to the Pentagon's decision to allow women to serve in combat. Supporters of drafting women point out that the ban on women in combat was the reason the Supreme Court upheld a male-only draft. Therefore, they argue, it's the only logical to now force women to register for selective service. Besides, supporters of extending the draft point out, not all draftees are sent into combat. Yeah, most of those who opposed drafting women did so because they disagreed with women being eligible for combat position, not because they opposed the military draft. Few, if any, in Congress are questioning the morality, constitutionality, and necessity of selective service registration. Thus, this debate is just another example of how few of our so-called representatives actually care about our liberty. You see, some proponents of a military draft justify it as a payback for the freedom of the government provides its citizens. Those who make this <clears throat> so-called argument are embracing the collectivist premise that since our rights come 
from government, the government can take away those rights whenever it suits their purposes. Thus, supporters of the draft are turning their backs on this little teeny document you may have heard about somewhere. It's called the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. While opposition to the draft is seen as a Oh, we have an instant message. I wonder how long it's been sitting there. Let's, I'm sorry. I apologize. Let's see. What do we got here? Um, uh, be careful what you wish for. Shut up and saddle up, girls. They wanted it. You got it. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Now, it's amazing, my friends, since that was brought up. Let me close out on this in this hour, and I'll get to the rest of it in the following hour. But let me close out on this thought. For a long, long time, there's been a lot of men's rights activists out there that put out memes showing how women, just simply by turning 18, gain full citizen privileges, if you will, in this country. And all they got to do is live until they turn 18. Not men. Nope, they got to register for selective service. They got to do this. They got to do that. They got to do all these other things. They got to do that women do not have to do. And women are like, eh, so what? Big deal. But now that the Senate Armed Services Committee is saying, let's institute registering with selective service for women, all of a sudden feminists are out there screaming and yelling, oh, Selective service, the draft, that's slavery, that's oppression. We can't have this. Oh, no, 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 no. Ah. Wine, 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 cry. Yeah. Amazing. Just like our commenter there. Settle up, gals. Your turn is coming, too. Mm hmm. So, anyway, when we come back from the upcoming break, I'll continue with why this is not a good idea, the draft at all, and you'll see why. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? 
Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at naturelogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. If you're here to feel good about government, if you believe that people in office actually care about your well-being, if you believe that statutes and codes are God's gift to man, this show is not for you. If you believe NBC, CNN, Faux News, and the like actually report real news, this show is not for you. This... is a proper place where those police need disposal of. So if you decide to stick around, this show will not be responsible for your mental instability. If you're brave enough to call in, this is your warning. You best bring facts to the discussion. In the toilet. 
And welcome back to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor and still pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. Why, my friends? Well, because one of the points of this show is to speak truth to power. And that's what I've been doing a lot of today, in case you haven't noticed. And for those of you that are just joining us here, it is the 4 o'clock hour out here on the left coast. Is as I said, I think I said, May 9th, 2016. And um, this is a live call-in show. If you'd like to call in, it's real simple, 1-800-932-1980. Calling in is not mandatory. Thinking, however, is. And we do, of course, continue to extend that exemption to members of Media Matters, Southern Poverty Law Center, as well as those government agents that are paid to listen to this show, because after all, if we was to require them to think, it would create a hostile work environment. If you don't want to call in, but you still want to make a comment, I do read them. I may not read them all on the air, but I do read them. You can send an instant message via Yahoo Instant Messenger ID KC7AQK. Um, And like I said, I do read them. I just don't necessarily comment on all of them all the time. So uh, anyway, what I've been doing, I started out the last half hour of of last hour talking about the draft, specifically selective service, and talking about how those that make the argument for selective service, and now especially for this new move, in case you haven't heard about it, this new move out there to now include women in the selective service and how they ignore that pesky little document called the Declaration of Independence. Well, opposition to the draft is seen by many people, as a progressive or libertarian position, and many conservatives, including Ronald Reagan, Barry Goldwater, and Robert Taft, were outspoken opponents of conscription. But unfortunately, the militarism that has led to so many conservatives astray in foreign policy has also turned many of them into supporters of mandatory selective service registration. Yet many of these same conservatives strongly and correctly oppose mandatory gun registration. But in a free society, you should never have to register your child or your gun. But sadly, some opponents of the welfare state, including some libertarians, support the draft on the grounds that a draft would cause a mass uprising against the welfare state. Proponents of this view point to the draft's role in galvanizing opposition to the Vietnam War. This argument ignores the fact that it took several years and the deaths of thousands of American draftees for the anti-Vietnam movement to succeed. A variation on this argument is that drafting women will cause an anti-war backlash as Americans recoil from the idea of forcing mothers into combat. But does anyone think the government would draft mothers with young children? Reinstating the draft will not diminish the war's 
the war party's influence as long as the people continue to believe the war propaganda fed to them by the military congressional industrial complex and their media echo chamber. Changing the people's attitude toward the war warfare state and its propaganda organs is the only way to return to a foreign policy of peace and commerce with all who also want to live in peace and commerce. So, okay, we have an instant message. What do we got here? Let's see. Da, 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 da. Click, click, click. The draft isn't the problem of getting soldiers are uh, isn't the problem of getting soldiers are killed. It, it is preemptive force of aggression and profit to get them killed. Yes, exactly. That's what I said. Aggressive wars of aggression and profit. See, it's the profit that comes when you don't have commerce and free exchange, you see, with, with all those that also want to engage in commerce and free exchange. You see, so that's why we have to have those preemptive wars. Mm-hmm. So, even if the draft could serve as a check on the warfare state, those who support individual liberties should still oppose it. Libertarians who support violating individual rights to achieve a political goal, even a goal as noble as peace, undermine their arguments against non-aggression and thus discredit both our movement and, more importantly, our philosophy. A military draft is one of, if not the worst violations of individual rights committed by modern governments. The draft can also facilitate the growth of the warfare state by lowering the cost of militarism. And those who value peace, prosperity, and liberty must place opposition to the draft at the top of their agenda, not the bottom. Okay, my friends. Long-term listeners of this show know that one of the things I love to do is expose revisionist history. The only way to expose revisionist history is to give you the true history, my friends, so that you can see how you have been brainwashed and misled by the revisionist history. That can be a little dull and tedious at times. So when I find something that does a really good job of captivating the interest and exposing the revisionist history, I tend to latch on to it really hard. I found such a thing here. Kimberly Bloom Jackson writes, and I believe by the tone of her article that she has been inspired by the latest Dinesh D'Souza movie, which has not come out yet, but is getting ready to come out here really soon here, and has decided to do a little poking around, and, well, she has pulled back the curtain on revisionist history. So, let's look, my friends, at the secret racist history of the Democrat Party, shall we? We'll start with the question. 
Have you heard of Josiah Walls or Hiram Rhodes Revels? How about Joseph Hain Rainey? If not, you're not alone. Kimberly Bloom Jackson writes saying that she is taught history and she never knew half of our nation's past until she began to re-educate herself by learning from original source materials rather than modern textbooks written by progressive Democrats with an agenda. Interestingly, Democrats have long ago erased these historic figures from our textbooks only to offer deceitful propaganda and economic enticements in an effort to convince people, especially black Americans, that it's the Democrats rather than the Republicans who are the true saviors of civil liberties. Fortunately, we can still venture back into America's real historical record to find that facts are stubborn things. Let's take a closer look. An 1872 print by Courier and Eyes depicts the first seven black Americans elected to the U.S. Congress during the Reconstruction period of 1865 to 1877, and they're all Republican. Let's talk about these seven. See how many of these names you know about, my friends. Number one, Senator Hiram Rhodes Revels, Republican from uh, MS. That's Mississippi or Missouri? Mississippi, I think. MS is. Uh, and he served 1822 to 1901. Already an ordained, or he lived 1822 to 1901. Sorry about that. Already an ordained minister, Revels served as an army chaplain and was responsible for recruiting three additional regiments during the Civil War. He was also elected to the Mississippi State Senate in 1869 and the U.S. Senate in 1870, making him America's first black senator. Number two, Representative Benjamin Turner, Republican from Alabama. Within just five years, Turner went from slave to wealthy businessman. He also became a delegate to the Alabama Republican State Convention of 1867 and a member of the Selma City Council in 1868. In 1871, Turner was even elected to the U.S. Congress. Number three, Representative Robert DeLarge, Republican South Carolina. Although born a slave, DeLarge chaired the Republican platform in 1867 and served as delegate at the Constitutional Convention of 1868. From 1868 to 1870, he was also elected to the State House of Representatives and later Congress, serving from 1871 to 1873. Number four, Representative Josiah Walls, Republican Florida. Walls was a slave who was forced to fight for the Confederate Army until he was captured by Union troops. He promptly enlisted with the Union and eventually became an officer. In 1870, he was elected to the U.S. Senate, unfortunately harassing Democrats, questioned his qualifications until he was officially expelled. Although he was re-elected after the first legal challenge, Democrats took control of Florida and Walls was prohibited from returning altogether. Number five, Representative Joseph Long, Republican Georgia. Long was also born into slavery, and he too became a successful businessman. However, when Democrats boycotted his business, he suffered substantial financial losses. But that didn't stop Long. 
who in 1871 became the first black representative to deliver a congressional speech in the U.S. House. Number six, Representative Joseph Hayne Rainey, Republican, South Carolina. Although born a slave, Rainey became the first black speaker of the U.S. House for a brief period in 1870. In fact, he served in Congress longer than any other black American at that time. And finally, number seven, Representative Robert Brown Elliott, Republican, South Carolina. Elliott helped to organize the Republican Party through rural South Carolina, and he was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives in 1870 and re-elected in 1872. And in 1874, he was elected to the State House of Representatives and eventually served as Speaker of the House in the state legislature. So, clearly, the latter half of the 19th century and for much of the early half of the 20th century, it was the Republican Party that was the party of choice for blacks. How can this be? Because the Republican Party was formed in the late 1850s as an oppositional force to the pro-slavery Democrat Party. Republicans wanted to return to the principles that were originally established in the Republic's founding documents and in doing so became the first party to openly advocate strong civil rights legislation. Now, I say all that, my friends, despite the fact that while that may have been the intent and purpose of the original founding of the Republican Party, its founding president did just the opposite destroyed the republic and replaced it with a democrat, uh, democratic socialism, my friends. Uh, yeah, representative Republican uh, government with democrat socialist government. And that started the downfall, but I digress. So what happened here? The infuriated Southern Democrats, who soon afterwards left Congress and they took their states with them to form what is officially became known as the Confederate States of America, well, ended up with that little unpleasantness of an invasion of a foreign country. It was not a civil war. Again, my friends, even the person writing this is engaged in a bit of revisionist history by calling it a civil war, which in and of itself is revisionist history. Because a civil war, my friends, I will remind you, is a war where two people or two groups of people are fighting to wrest control of a single government. That has not happened in this country. That was a war of northern aggression, northern invasion, invading a sovereign country. Now, was it right? Did it end up being a good thing, you know, having the United States? Well, it can be looked at good and bad because it eventually led to a different kind of slavery, which we're in, involved in today, you know, an economic slavery that I've been talking about. But I digress. The Southern Republican Party was formed by blacks, not by whites. Case in point, in Houston, Texas, where 150 blacks and 20 whites created the Republican Party of Texas, but perhaps most telling of all with respect to the Republican Party's achievements is that black men were continuously elected to public office. For example, 
42 blacks were elected to the Texas legislature, 112 in Mississippi, 190 in South Carolina, 95 representatives and 32 senators in Louisiana, and many more elected in other states. All Republicans and Democrats didn't elect their first black American to the U.S. House until 1935. Now let's talk, my friends, about political gangs with pointy hoods. By the mid-1860s, the Republican Party's alliance with blacks had caused a noticeable strain on the Democrats' struggle for electoral significance in the post-quote-unquote Civil War era. This prompted the Democrat Party in 1866 to develop a new pseudo-secret political action group whose sole purpose was to help gain control of the electorate. The new group was simply known by their initials. Say it with me. KKK, otherwise known as the Ku Klux Klan. This political relationship was nationally solidified shortly thereafter during the 1868 Democrat National Convention when former Civil War General Nathan Bedford Forrest was honored as the KKK's first Grand Wizard. But don't bother checking the Democrat National Committee's website for proof. For many years, even up through the 2012 presidential election, the DNC had omitted all related history from 1848 to 1900 from their timeline, half a century worth. Now, for the 2016 election cycle, they've scratched even more history. Apparently, they believe it's just easier to lie and claim they have fought for civil rights for over 200 years while seeing fit to list only a select few distorted events as exemplars beginning as late as the 1920s. And incredibly, the DNC conveniently jumps past more than 100 years of American history. Nevertheless, this sordid history is still well documented. There's even a 13-volume set of congressional investigations dating from 1872 detailing the Klan's connection to the Democrat Party, the official documents which are detailed which are entitled The Report of the Joint Select Committee to Inquire into the Conditions and Affairs in the Late Insurrectionary States. That's the title of it. These documents irrefutably proves the KKK's prominent role in the Democrat Party and one of the most vivid examples of collusion between the KKK and Democrat Party was when Democrat Senator Wade Hampton ran for the governorship of South Carolina in 1876. Okay, let me put a little pause there and see what instant message we got here. Ignoring all the black rape of white women in the South after a huge population of Southern men were dead due to the war, the KKK was founded for that purpose. Later it became infiltrated for political reasons, but was not founded for that. Well, I've heard that. And yet every bit of history that I've been able to find that was not promulgated by the Democrat Party itself does not point to that. That's all I can say is everyone that I every piece of history, historical reference that was not promulgated by the Democrat Party does not substantiate that. 
But what does substantiate here is, like I said, and I was starting to say, that Senator Wade Hampton in 1876, what happened then is the Klan put into action a battle plan to help Democrats win, and their, their rallying cry became, every Democrat must feel honor-bound to control the vote of at least one Negro by intimidation. Democrats must go in as large numbers and well-armed. This led to Harper's Weekly that same year illustrating that mindset with a depiction of two white Democrats standing to a, next to a black man while pointing a gun at him, and at the bottom of the depiction is a caption that reads, of course he wants to vote the Democrat ticket. Now, what's this reminiscent of, my friends? Remember the 2008 presidential election when members of the new Black Panther Party hung out at Philadelphia Precinct wielding big batons? Remember that? Yeah. The Klan's primary mission has and has remained to this day to intimidate Republicans, black and white. That's what it's done. And we even had a guy that, you know, for the longest time was and hailed as the longest serving member of Congress. And what was he? A grand legal in the Klan, Senator Byrd. And yet, people will say, oh, he, uh, and no, I'm not basing history on a cartoon. I'm saying that Harper's Magazine created the cartoon as il an illustration of the written statements of that senator, uh, what was his name again? Hang on, let me scroll back. Uh, senator Wade Hampton. The cartoon was based on his written statement, which I read. So, no, it's not history based on a cartoon. The cartoon is illustrative of what the guy said. Now, where was I? Um, senator Byrd. Yes, back to Senator Byrd. Sen there's a lot of apologists out there, my friends. And that's where you'll find the biggest part of historical revisionism is in the apologists who will go, oh, but Senator Byrd, he denounced his involvement in the Klan. Really? Read Senator Byrd's own books. In his books, including the one that was published just a couple of years before he passed away, he announced that he never regretted his involvement. Now, if he never regretted it, is that a renunciation of it? It doesn't sound like that to me. You know, if I, if I say I never regretted something, does that, and I then say out the other side of my mouth that I renounce it and I renege it, uh, I'm sorry. It just doesn't work out that way. Well, I, I'm running out of time here, dang nabbit. Uh, anyway, there's a lot here, my friends, and a lot of footnoting and a lot of points that are brought up here where the source materials are given. And because of the source materials, um, 
And and yes, and I know, I know I'm being reminded of Thomas Jefferson. And just a few weeks ago, I talked about Thomas Jefferson and, and the problems uh, that he himself faced in his own personal life. And it's there's a lot of stuff going on out there, my friends. But what happens is that when we revere things to the point to where there is no wrong in them, that blinds us as a people to what really happened. Just like those in the Democrat Party have blinded themselves to Grand Cleagle Senator Byrd, well, we in the so-called conservative side of things, can blind ourselves to some of the problems that we have with things that have been done in the quote-unquote name of conservatism. All I'm saying here is look it up. Like I said, I don't have time and I've run out of time, and there's a whole bunch of footnotes and source materials. If you go to the original source and look them up, and then make up your own mind. That's all. Anyway, that ends this end. When we come back, we'll have the Roy School of Guerrilla Lawfare. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. Oxygen throughout the body. You need 
need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. The views shared by the host, guest, callers, and visitors to the chat room do not necessarily reflect the views of owners and advertisers of American Voice Radio. Subject matter of many shows is meant for mature audiences, and adult thinking is required. Welcome back to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, and oh my goodness, I evidently have stirred up a real hornet's nest. I love it. Uh, I Yes, I've read your comments, uh, all 25 of them, my friends. <sighs> How to put this simply. I do not have a blind hatred of the Democrat Party. What I do have an extreme dislike is statists. A statist is one who believes that the state is to be your mommy, your daddy, your caretaker, your one and all and end all to control and run your life because you're too stupid to run it yourself. I do not revere or hold those that wrote in documents that the uh, a black, a Negro, was only three-fifths of a human. Instead, what I do is, like I did several weeks ago, which also stirred up an equal hornet's nest, when I did a long expose into the revisionist history surrounding Thomas Jefferson, and I received equally vitriolic comments over that expose, which I just chuckled and laughed over because I knew that this, what I just got through doing, was coming up, 
<laughs> so it's like no matter what I do, you know, I, I expose Jefferson for his flaws and I expose the Democrats for their flaws. You know, it's like bam, bam, bam. I just get hit no matter what. So anyway, gang, like I said, read the articles, read the source materials, make up your own mind, but do not stop. Please do not stop thinking about it, comparing it to things that you have, that you studied. See where the flaws might be, whether it's flaws in the material I'm presenting to you or flaws in the material that you've been presented that you had accepted before as fact. That's all. Just think. That's why I spend so much time trying to get you going on critical thinking aspects. Okay, we have 11 links of interest. The links of interest, for those of you that are new to this show, these are things I just, they're, they're interesting. I find them interesting. Things that I think that you would want to know about, but maybe have not heard about. And well, I source them here so you can go find them easily within the show newsletter, and we have 11 of them this week. Number 11, global warming movement devastated after Obama agency exposed in massive fraud. Mm. Oh, say it isn't so. Oh, wow, say it isn't so that, the, that Obama agencies are engaged in fraud? Really? Hmm, yeah, right. Number 10, I just love this article and how the 10th Amendment and states' rights are brought up as Alabama is the second state to sue the feds over refugee resettlement within their states. Like I said, great point of view on the 10th Amendment and states' rights. Number nine, an article about how Russians are doing the job B.O. is refusing to do and how they blew up a supposed prayer hall that, oh, say it isn't so, it was full of high explosives. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, right. A, a, a Muslim. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I left out the word. A Muslim prayer hall full of explosives. Yeah, the religion of peace at work again. Number eight, a federal court condemns Congress for giving unconstitutional regulatory powers to Amtrak. A very interesting read. And this is where my brain was going at the very beginning of the show about how there's at least two federal judges on the federal bench that have more than two brain cells to rub together. Very interesting read. Number seven, I'm not going to hold my breath on this, but uh, there's news here, uh, br supposed breaking news about how Al Sharpton um, is possibly facing jail time over his tax issue. Again, I'm not holding my breath on it, but oh, I'm presenting it here for you. Number six, uh a trans woman claims she was escorted out of a woman's restroom, but the video, you know, the security footage, it doesn't quite support the false narrative. Yeah. Number five, 
you know, sometimes it's best to just keep your mouth shut. As this violent thug who had been convicted of rape curses at the judge in court, the judge ends up changing his sentence just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Number four, Limters will point to stories like this as another <clears throat> reason why we should not allow the Second Amendment to mean what it says. Well, what we really need to do is be open on this, to, and that it's, this story points out that this is exactly why all permits and permissions to carry, openly or concealed, need to be revoked with the acknowledgement that the second says what it means and means what it says. Because a couple is charged after pulling a gun in a restaurant over a chicken wing order. Oh, oh boy. I just shake my heads at the stupidity of this couple. Two and three related. Some people just don't get it until they're being hacked apart while still alive. One is Lamas Hack, an editor of a transgender magazine to death, and more from the religion of peace, peace Islamic group is offended by Australia's national anthem. Oh, yes, my goodness. And finally, number one, yep, this just goes to show you that it is about adult babies wanting mommy-daddy government to take care of them when governor requires food stamp recipients to work six hours a week. Just six hours a week. And if they can't because of physical disabilities, well, then they're not required to. But those that aren't hampered by physical disabilities, six hours a week. Oh, you got to read this, my friends, to hear the uproar. Okay, real quickly, um, critical thinking segment. Christopher Hitchens says, Islamophobia, a word created by fascists, used by cowards to manipulate morons. Why? Because there is no such thing as Islamophobia. It is the right of every individual to question a <clears throat> religion which claims to be peaceful and yet is responsible for more terror attacks than any other. See, in the Islamic world, Women are treated as second-class citizens and bound by ancient laws that have no place in a modern world. So if anything, Islam has a phobia against anything not Islamic. Yeah, there we go. Okay, now it's time for the Roy School of Guerrilla Lawfare. That's L-A-W for Learn and Win Through a Better Education. And it's time to close the book, so to speak, on Dennis Hastert. You see, the serial child molester, quote-unquote, Dennis Hastert has gotten 15 months for something that shouldn't be illegal. Yes, the former Speaker of the House can no longer be prosecuted for his real crimes. Why? Well, let's investigate. See, last month, former Speaker 
House Speaker Dennis Haster was sentenced to 15 months in a federal prison ostensibly for a single count of evading the Bank Secrecy Act's reporting requirements by withdrawing money in amounts below $10,000. Now, I say ostensibly because Haster's real crimes were committed decades ago. When he, as he now admits, he sexually abused teenagers on the wrestling team he coached in Illinois. Okay? But, since the statute of limitations for those crimes has expired, it's only the cover-up for which Hastert can be legally punished. Specifically, for paying hush money to one of his victims in a way designed to avoid the government attention. That quote-unquote structuring charge became a pretext for giving Hastert a taste of the punishment he might have received if his sexual abuse had come to light sooner. Yes. And yeah, I know, I get it. Fifteen whole months, yes. Fifteen months. But, But remember again, my friends, He was not sentenced for what he did, but for the cover-up, my friends. So, U.S. District Judge Thomas Durkin observed the following, quote, Because the statute of limitations for your child molestation ran out many years ago, you can't be charged for that. It's not what you're charged with. It's not what you've pled guilty to. And any sentence I give you today will pale in comparison to what you would have faced in state court, end quote. So, the penalty that Durkin imposed far exceeds the zero to six months recommended by federal sentencing guidelines and the maximum sentence, which is six months, that prosecutors agreed to seek under their plea deal with Hastert. So, like I said, sentencing guidelines said that he should have gotten zero to six months. The prosecutors agreed to a maximum of six months, but the reason that Durkin, Judge Durkin, gave for departing upward from the guideline sentence, and the one recommended by the government, something he said he had done in only two out of 45 cases he has overseen in his three and a half years as a federal judge, have a lot to do with the crimes that Hastert officially got away with. He said, the judge, were this only a case about structuring of funds, which were legally obtained and untaxed, there is some question whether the prosecution would have occurred. And even if the prosecution had occurred, a sentence of probation would likely be appropriate. Now, Hasker's lawyers asked for probation, which is the usual outcome in structuring cases involving defendants who earned the money legally, paid taxes on it, and used it for legal purposes, especially when the defendant had no criminal history. Between 2010 and 2014, according to data that Durkin obtained from the U.S. Sentencing Commission, 66 structuring defendants fit that description. 
and only seven received sentences involving incarceration with an average term of four months. Okay? So, why did Hastert get 15 months? Mostly because of crimes for which he cannot be prosecuted. One of Hastert's victims and the sister of another who died in 1995 testified at the hearing during which Durkin repeatedly called Hastert a, quote, serial child molester, end quote. The judge nevertheless insisted he was not punishing Hastert for sexually abusing high school students. Rather, Durkin said he was taking into account the way that Hastert sexually abused high school students reflects on his character and his motive for violating the Bank Secrecy Act. A pretty fine distinction. <laughs> he said, quote, if I'm going to consider the good history and characteristics of the defendant, I must also consider the bad, which is that the defendant is a serial child molester. And the nature and circumstances of the offense include the child molestation because it was unquestionably the motive for the structuring and the lies that followed it. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm being told about Kent Hovid. I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm really not. That name is not ringing a bell. But it says was found guilty for structuring and spent like five to six years in prison, a real prison. Creationist, the creationist Kent Hovid. Well, like I said, the of the sixty six cases that Durkin brought up. Let's get that number again here. Let, hang on, let me highlight my place so I can find it again here. Uh, sixty six. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Between 2010 and 2014, so during a four-year period, the 66 that Durkin observed, only seven received sentences involving incarceration with an average term of four months. So I don't know what the longest is. I don't know what the shortest is, okay? But being told here that uh, five to six years well, it, it couldn't have been six because the maximum sentence for structuring is five years. So it couldn't have been six. It could have been five, but it couldn't have been six since the maximum sentence is five years. Okay? Um, so, uh, that, so, you know, being sentenced to five years, and if you have multiple counts of it and uh, convicted of multiple counts, well, yeah, you can get five years for this one and five years for that one and five years for that one, but you're still only getting five years for them, okay? But back to Hastert, back to Hastert, because I want to get on this here because that's the point here that I'm trying to make now. Let me find my place. Where was I? Okay. So, Judge Durkin said those lies, the lies that he that led to the structuring, also figured into Hastert's punishment since he and this is this is a point I really, really want to get to, my friends, that since he told the FBI the former student he was paying who received one point seven million dollars of a promised three point five million had fabricated his allegation of sexual, sexual abuse, and lying to the FBI is 
itself a felony, although not one to which Hastert pled guilty. I remind you, my friends, of uh, What's-Her-Face, the um, um, magazine lady and, and uh, talk show host um, uh, that went... Uh, not not Oprah, but the the white lady that went to jail over lying to the FBI. But suppo- Martha Stewart, Martha Stewart. There we go, Martha Stewart. Yes, thank you. I'm being told by multiple sources, Martha Stewart. She did not go to prison over supposed insider trading. She went to prison for lying to the FBI, the violation of the 1001 rule that I have exposed to you, my friends, and that's what we're talking about here. Lying to the FBI is a felony under the 1001 rule, and he did not plead guilty to that, Hastert, that is. But Judge Durkin said, accusing victim A of extorting you was unconscionable, the judge told Hastert, saying, quote, you tried to set him up. You tried to frame him, end quote. But even here, Durkin made note of the crimes for which Hastert can no longer be prosecuted, saying, quote, he was a victim once, decades ago, the judge said of the former wrestler, concluding, quote, and you tried to make him a victim again, end quote. Yes. So, and yes, I agree. I agree. Uh, people can be sent for the simplest things. Again, I've exposed for you multiple times, my friends, about the, the book, Three Felonies a Day, I think is the title of it. How just by living your life, the way you have for the past several weeks or months, you have committed three federal felonies a day, every single day, at least three felonies a day. Now, you're not prosecuted, obviously, for them, because 99% of them are so outrageous and, and incredible in their nature that, of course, you haven't been. But if a prosecutor wants to go after you, well, he can make something out of nothing. I mean, all I got to do, my friends, is point to myself, your humble host here, a 35-page indictment against me. 35 pages. Every single person who read it came back with the exact same question. And the question was, what did you do now if you read an indictment and you have to come back with the question what did you do well has something been done and that's the point here with that Duncan Durkin excuse me Durkin is making the hastard that I can't prosecute you I can't sentence you for what you've done He's doing the opposite. I can't, I can't sentence you for what you've done. Instead, I'm going to sentence you for what you didn't do. You know, which is he didn't make illegal transactions, but he engaged in criminal activity. So I'm going to punish you for that by doing for something that you didn't do. <laughs> so 
Durkin reserved most of his ire, not for Hassert's recent violation of federal law, the ones for which he was officially being sentenced, but for his unpunished and unpunishable state crimes. Some actions, the judge noted, can obliterate a lifetime of good works. Nothing is more stunning than having the words serial child molester and speaker of the house in the same sentence, and nothing is more disturbing than having the words child molester and coach and teacher in the same sentence. And the judge said to Hastert, your actions with the young people you abused violated the trust that students put in their teachers, their coaches, and their mentors. Your actions were cynical. You abuse those who either wouldn't or couldn't cry out for fear they would not be believed and were trying to discredit a beloved coach or for fear that they would be ostracized by their friends. The judge went on to say, had this conduct been uncovered near the time when it occurred, a grand jury sitting in Kendall County would have indicted you. A jury likely would have convicted you, and you likely would have been sentenced to decades in a state prison. This conduct is relevant to your history and characteristics no matter how old it is. Some conduct is unforgivable no matter how old it is. The judge went on to say, my sentence today can't legally or properly be a sentence for child molestation, and I don't want it in any way to be perceived that the sentence here measures the harm caused by the child molestation. In the end, that would have to be a state court judge sentencing you for for a conviction of child molestation, and the sentence in this case... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.